And we have racist paint. Hello and welcome to episode number 152 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, April 16th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the mainstream media is finally talking about the gun violence, but only because it involved a cop. And from America's bright and sunny left coast, where nice weather makes me grumpy, I'm Ryan Bemrose. You get sunshine on the left coast? We've had uh, about six days worth of it in a row. And and it, for a while, it was the standard springtime weather where it was 31 overnight. And then it gets all the way up to 55. Nice warm day. But lately, it hasn't been getting as cold at night. And so it's I've already got the doors and windows open, which you're probably going to hear because I have a fantastic microphone that now picks up nature mic outside. <laughs> no, the. Electro Voice RE320 is a fantastic microphone. It should only pick up mainly what is coming out of your mouth unless you pick up a bell and hit it with it. I I don't have a bell handy. <laughs> uh, I can't promise the coffee cup won't be swinging wildly, but we'll we'll try to avoid bashing into the microphone. We already heard yesterday how that works. Yes, no agenda breaking new ground by breaking a microphone mid-show. <laughs> and that is not easy to do. I was speculating at the time that the whole reason that Adam's microphone went out is because I stole the mojo. And uh, Adam, if you're listening, I do apologize for that. (laughs) But don't worry. I know you've got mojo to spare. Yeah, that's very possible. Ryan Bemrose picks up an RE320 and all RE320s around the world decide to just commit Harry Carey. They off themselves. They stop working in protest of their brother that is now on your stand there. But uh, yeah, Chicago. a little crazy right now. Uh, so normal. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course it's normal because if you listen to it's, grumpy old bands, you know how many people get shot here every yeah. weekend. I mean, it happens throughout and, the and week. I too. guess the question is how many of them did were, were supposed to be tased? Well, right. And that, I mean, that issue is another one that is hard to fathom. And the ridiculousness of it is things like that case being treated as it was a racial thing. It's like, no, this was an idiot cop. Yeah. He made a really bad error. It, it was. Yeah, it was a mistake. I mean, it was a bad mistake. And it was one that you really hope never happens if you train your cops well. And I don't know whether or not she was trained well and just forgot her coffee that day or if she was trained poorly. I, I don't know all of these things. What I know is that in the heat of a moment while trying to subdue somebody who clearly meant to do her harm, she grabbed the wrong thing off of her belt and put lead into him, the person instead of electricity. And that's a terrible idea, but blaming a hundred percent of the blame on the cop kind of discounts the fact that this person was going for her throat. Right. Well, and this is an issue that it brings up for me is the concept of tasers and what cops should or should not have on their person or should rely on. There was a time 
in our lifetime that the only thing cops had were the billy club and the gun. They didn't have the taser. They didn't have this stuff. And I understand the movement sure. towards and, and, the the concept of non-lethal force. But with that said, you're adding a whole nother aspect that can go wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? Because if a cop only has a gun, they're well aware of what happens when they fire that gun. Now, if you're going to confuse something and I don't understand my biggest question with the tasers are, shouldn't the top of these? I mean, I understand you kind of hold them like a pistol and you probably draw them similarly to a pistol. But shouldn't there be some very visible symbol, some color, something on the device that says maybe we could paint it bright yellow? Yes, that this is not a gun. So, you know, when you have your gun and you know when you have your taser, it would be important to have a something more than just the weight of the object to differentiate that. Cause some people have pointed that out that guns loaded are way heavier, but when you're in the heat of a moment where there's a struggle going on, I don't know if your brain yeah. can really go, Oh, is that three pounds or two? Uh, uh, adrenaline changes the weight of everything. Um, I, I, I do know that there are quite a few brands of tasers out there that are bright, obnoxious colors, like bright yellow or bright orange. And I have no idea if this particular department issued these or not, or if they were just standard black and looked like a Glock. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but it, I don't know. There are all going to be a whole lot of details. And I look forward to six months from now when they have this person's trial and, you know, decide to, you know, kangaroo court them into the, the, the sewers of wokeness. And, and then we can riot all over again for that. Right. Well, yeah, I think she's going to do time. And even NetNet in the troll room over at noagendastream.com is buying into all this liberal media stuff because he's like 26 years a trainer and she doesn't know what her gun feels like. Sounds a little too set up for me. It's like, I don't buy that. I do not buy that for a minute that this was done intentionally. I don't. You can can spend 26 years on a police force and never have to draw your weapon. Right. Maybe not in Chicago. Well, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, again, this is where practice is important. This is where money for training is important. So defunding the police, even though that's what this is doubling down on. It's like, well, you're morons because with no police, there's nobody to protect you, the average citizen. But in also, this case, yes. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, if if some uh, a leftist retard child who always received participation trophies and was never disciplined at a point in their life and has just received the lesson from their leftist retard parents that they can do anything they want and it's OK, because as long as your feelings aren't hurt. Um, if somebody like that has to get shot in order to learn the lesson that life doesn't work that way. I'll go ahead and say it. Maybe that works out for the best. I mean, obviously not for the person who got shot, but maybe the people standing around be like, huh, perhaps rioting is not the best idea. Perhaps taking some personal responsibility with me. Yeah, just maybe. Well, in this case, it appears that the mainstream media has covered this in such a disingenuous way, spreading so many lies about this case, because. The first thing I saw was, oh, he was pulled over for having a air freshener tied to his rearview mirror, which is technically a ticketable offense. But that wasn't why. Wait, it, it is? Yeah, in some places, yes. Yeah. Okay. I, you, I see that a, all the time. I had no idea that could ever be a problem. In some states, because it obstructs your view, there are some states you can get a ticket for hanging anything from your rearview mirror. Now, 
Is it normally something that you're going to get a ticket for? Probably not. Is it something you might get a ticket for yeah. if you're pulled over for something it, else and a dick to the cops? Probably. Yeah. Is it so the kind of thing that a cop will pull somebody over for in the middle of a riot? No. <laughs> you know, and well, this wasn't in the middle of the riot, but this was a case where the kid, uh, his name Dante Wright, or Dante, um, I think Dante Wright, the car that he was driving in had expired tags and they're like well you drop some i was been i've been pulled over for expired tags i forgot to renew my license plate at one point and this was right out here you know a few blocks away from my house the lights came on behind me it's like yeah you know your plates are expired it's like no (laughs) yeah if i would have expired tags are are in fact uh that's a great way to get pulled over if you've got a board cop and there's nothing else interesting going on like riots nearby right then then a yeah, I mean, that that will get you pulled over. So he uh, gets pulled over because of the expired tags and complies, gives his identification. When they run the identification, they find out that he does have a warrant out because he didn't show up at a court appearance, which was relating to an event where he robbed a woman, choked her and at gunpoint. So they now know. That he's very possibly armed because he was involved in a crime involving a handgun. So- yeah, that I, I was going to say something about usually when you get pulled over, if you're if you just say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't know and comply. And the cop isn't having a bad day. You can get away with a with a warning. But a, well, they'll yeah, still run warrant, your license, even if you're going to get a warning. And, and, and if you got a warrant out for that. Yeah, they yes. So they find out he has the warrant and then he gets out of the car. And seems like he's complying. If you've seen the video, he seems like he's complying. I don't know why, because there was one of the male officers that had him. It looked like he was about to cuff him. And then he kind of hands him over to the female officer to cuff him. And the minute they hand him over, he sees his shot and jumps back into the car. Now, you don't know what he's doing at that point, if he's just trying to escape or if he's jumping back into the car because he may have a weapon. And this was the reason why, again, I don't understand watching the video from the body cam from the female officer who kept saying, I'm going to tase you. I'm going to tase you. Taser, taser, taser while holding her handgun. That is the issue that we're really dealing with here. But there's a lot of blame to go around. This was one, a deadly mistake, which should have never happened from the cop standpoint. But you have to also understand that. He was complying. He was going to be cuffed and he would have had to deal with whatever he was going to have to deal with, but he would not be dead. The minute you decide that you're going to try to evade the police, you're going to get into a high speed car chase, something like that. And you still have a chance of injuring other people or yourself. And that was a choice that they call him a kid, but it's like you're 20 years old. I don't really buy that as kid status anymore. Uh, You know, I don't know how people want uh, mentally to, or physically both i mean mentally for sure physically definitely not and in this case it's like you have to have some responsibility for your actions but the way the story is portrayed much like this cop shooting in chicago is all the cops are racist and they're just out shooting black people i'm sure all the black cops uh, I, like that 
making a mistake like drawing the wrong object off of your belt, however that happened. And I I don't know the details, so I'm not going to get into it too much. But I, I do know making a mistake like that, that is a really bad mistake and is the kind of thing that should put somebody up against a disciplinary board at back at the precinct. Um, what it doesn't warrant, in my opinion, is this crucifixion in the media that that this person is getting. Then again, I mean, nothing does. And the media is pretty much a problem no matter what they're doing because of the, the mob mentality and the fact that they will descend on something and hammer it into the ground in such a way that ruins the psyche of the country. So, yes, this be, you know, the the point where you know, obviously it went off the rails when when a guy got shot and and wasn't supposed to. And and that's a problem. That's always bad. That becomes a statistic. But um, we have means of dealing with that. I, I feel like the point where this became a real story was is not, uh, oh, this happened. It was, oh, look at what these media vultures are doing. Those assholes. And that to me is the story. Well, and it has been since Ferguson, since the hands up, don't shoot lie that this has been what the media has been going on with. And I know I've mentioned, I mean, I should pull it out again and read some of it to you all, but I think everybody listening to Grumpy Old Benz is smart enough to look up the Weather Underground's writings about the police and what you have to do if you want to have a socialist Marxist takeover of the United States. This was written by Bill Ayers, Barack Obama's buddy, back in the late 60s, early 70s, that said you have to demonize the police, and this is a big part of this. And you have to dehumanize them and get people, you know, against them. They call the police pigs in everything they write. They will never refer to them as the police. And this is finally what we're seeing come to fruition here, because I believe that this female cop in the case of Mr. Wright does deserve disciplinary action. She does deserve to be charged sure. with manslaughter because this is not. But you you can't. I mean, I we've talked a lot about giving the police immunity to do their job and there has to be a somewhat of that protection for the police to be able to do their job accidentally thinking you're holding a non-deadly weapon while you're holding a deadly weapon i think that rises above that protection and it has to be looked at and it has Uh, to be you know it has to go through i'm not sure that it does um I, i i think that definitely she should be disciplined and i also personally think that a cop who uh, mistakenly kills a complying suspect should be charged with manslaughter. But what you've got here is a textbook example of a case where qualified immunity has been brought in and used to shield the cop in many, many cases before. Now that might be thrown out if the prosecutor is sufficiently woke in this particular case, because if it's the right narrative and I, you know, I personally think that qualified immunity is a bullshit doctrine and that people in general should always be responsible for the choices they make, even if and and even especially if we are trusting them to keep everybody safe in our society. Right. Um, however, qualified immunity does exist. And I think that if you are uh, in, in the interest of sticking to the rule of law and following what the examples of courts in you know, lots and lots of case law has already shown qualified immunity should totally be the defense in this case. I I don't know if it'll, if it'll count or, you know, they, the, in the, the 
uh, whatever the hell his name was. I don't even remember the, the George Floyd case that's been going on in Minneapolis. It's pretty clear that the prosecutor and the judge are all woke enough that they're not going to listen to qualified immunity. But um, that that is the doctrine that that shields cops from their mistakes and the thin blue line. And 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 whether or not that's a good idea, uh, it, it is the kind of thing that prevents somebody from uh, I am. I am routinely doing my job and this guy was high on PCP and there was no possible way to prevent severe harm to myself and all these bystanders other than shooting him. Qualified immunity is the thing that says, okay, yeah, you were doing your job. That's all righteous. Right. And, which makes sense. And, and I, I think, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know the details of the case. I don't want to know the details of the case because I don't want to be, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be called on the jury. I certainly don't even want to read one more story about this. I can't get away from the memes on NAS, but I'm, the the important part is what it's doing to the country and what it has been going on over the last decade or so. And it really did start with Ferguson because there was a poll that came out. I forget if it was Pew or uh, it was one of the decent polling services that looked at how people viewed race in America. And they went back about 10 years and they asked people, well, how do you think things are going? How, as far as people being treated, you know, fairly and all of this. And back 10 years ago, the a vast majority felt that things were going pretty good, that there wasn't yeah, a we huge were, problem with race. We were on the verge of solving racism until the Marxists decided <laughs> to dredge it up again. Yes, because that is exactly it. And you have to ask yourself why. And the answers, again, come in the weather underground writings. Why is there all of a sudden a massive war between the black community, brown community and the white community? Why is there a massive war between the police and the citizens of the country? Why is there such a war between the rich and the poor? It is all spelled out and it's all spelled out, taking over the media and taking over the education system to do exactly what you just said, the Marxist revolution. And I know it sounds crazy because growing up reading this stuff, you're like, Oh, I'm living in a country that's nuts. That could never happen. But somehow over the last 10 years, little longer, there has been a massive shift in this country. And it's been very scary to watch because of the fact that it's being pushed by things that are either outright lies or they're slight fabrications. In the case of the shooting of the kid Adam Toledo here in Chicago, CBS posted the cops video. They posted an edited version of the body cam video. But of course, you know, this was going to be for Twitter or wherever they posted it. And they slightly cropped the video. And the slight cropping of the video they did just happened to take the gun completely out of the picture that the kid had in his hand. I mean, that that was just an oversight, I'm sure, right? That was just a mistake. It, it, was, it was just a, an editorial correction. Uh-huh. Yeah. This the, is, I, the narrative control board. But this is the kind of stuff that people need to understand. It's like you can no longer trust what the mainstream media is telling you. You can certainly I, not I would trust. like to think that anybody who's still listening to this show already realizes that the mainstream media are full of shit. Yeah, I would hope. 
because there's not much hope going on in the mainstream. The people that have been elected to power, the AOCs, the uh, representative Tiab, the I mean, the whole squad are totally Marxist or totally off their rocker. I thought it was funny. We mentioned in the last show with Larry how the one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter, who was a teacher at a small college up to, you know, a year or two ago, didn't seem to have a whole lot of cash, was doing okay, but was certainly not rich, just bought like five million dollars worth of property out of nowhere. Where did that money come from? And the fact that that story was covered, her response and the response you're getting from the mainstream media is, well, that's just that's just white supremacy. That's just that's just hate violence against black people yeah. coming out again, reporting the facts. Well, I mean, you know, white supremacy. That's also like the the we did mention on the last show about Patricia Cullen, right? The BLM leader who bought all these. Yeah, you know, obviously she was able to afford it because of white supremacy too. Right. Well, that was what I was just talking about. The yeah. fact that that story came out. Her her organization and her put out a, a response was that, well, all this is just because of white supremacy. That's why you're hearing this about well, what, what it was really about was the massive fervor, the, the, the period of about one month last year where you could not walk down the street or log into a website or or you know visit any page on the Internet or even look around without seeing somebody virtue signaling Black Lives Matter. Right. Donate um, to I, them. I, I, I even. Yeah. And donate to the, I even I, I know I ranted about this last. There was uh, one Minecraft mod that was included in a lot of mod packs because it fixed a bunch of issues with the base game that made it just an invaluable mod. And the motherfucker who created this mod put up just in an update a screen that when you every single time you launch your game, it. Turned the entire screen, your game screen, black, and then started slowly putting text on there. Said, uh, you're enjoying this game, but George Floyd can't anymore. And, you know, like some really leftist racially charged text dropping in front of people who want to play Minecraft, which includes a bunch of little kids. And, and then at the very end, if you click on it, it you know, if you don't click on it, it actually would make you wait nine minutes. And if you do click oh. on it and say, and it'll, the, the first time it'll make you wait. And then the rest of the times you click through and it's like, you can click through and, and save your time. But George Floyd couldn't please donate black lives matter. And, and it gave a link to donate to like that was the most inappropriate thing I have ever seen in my life. And, uh, you, you know, there's obviously nothing that I can do other than uh, point out how utterly ridiculous this was. But this was somebody who was highly placed in a mod community inflicting their political views on all of the little kids who want to play Minecraft and just happen to want to play with mods that fix some of the issues in in the default game. Well, and that money went where? That is the question. All the people that donated to Black Lives Matter, if you're wondering where your money went, you might want to take a look at what's going on over there because there's a lot of the black lives matter chapters or whatever they call them in other parts of the United States and other parts of the world who are, have been a little vocal at this point going, we didn't get any of that money. Where, where's the money that came in? 
Where, where how is this really helping black? It seems like the black people it's helping are the three mar- alleged Marxists. You know, Marxists don't usually accumulate yeah, multiple yeah. properties. You mean, you mean anti-capitalists, right? They usually don't accumulate millions of dollars in that kind of property. Unless, you know, they're lying to you about what they really believe. Yeah, no, no. The Marxism is is it's a very consistent. Uh, it, it's a very consistent ideology. It is. Nobody needs any money. Everybody must be equal. Um, you know, money is capitalism is bad. We all just need to take from people who have and give to people who don't. And every line has a big asterisk that says, unless you're in charge, in which case it's all mine. Right. That's 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 how every form of of collectivism, of socialism, communism has always been implemented, is that the people in charge seem to somehow collect all of the money and all of the wealth and everybody else is stuck in poverty and i'm sure that money will eventually trickle down to those poor folks that actually need the money to, to do no some it didn't work when reagan was doing it in the name of capitalism either yeah maybe where that money should be going is into programs in cities that have issues with violence to stop the violence if every black lives or, you know do matter then why aren't they in chicago we've asked that question over and over again well, as always, the, you know, where, where should we be sending the money is, is always the wrong question to ask. Here's, here's a really wild idea. Rather than, uh, having a big to do about whether we give the money to the rich or to the poor or to the black or to the white or who do, you know, who do we give all this money to? How about you just stop stealing it from the people who made it? Would, would, would that, boy, wouldn't that be an economic stimulus? If, if maybe people were allowed to keep more of the money that they earned, Rather than have it stolen and then have huge debates in Washington, D.C. about which under or which deserving group to give your stolen money to. Well, this isn't even a part problem of the, the government doing it, but the government's well, doing it and they're it going to and they're going to be doing it more because Joe has said we need to raise taxes. People are you know, this is the funny thing. Anybody who voted for Joe Biden who I, really believe that, oh, well, if your family makes under four hundred thousand, you won't see any change. It's like. Well, do you buy gasoline? Do you buy groceries? They're morons. I mean, I mean, I think everybody has to buy groceries, right? Because you die after a little while if you stop buying groceries. So I, I, I've just come to the conclusion that if you if you voted for or supported Joe Biden, then you there is one of two categories. Either uh, you are in on the scam, which accounts for most of the party members, or you're duped. You you are a rube. You are uh, 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 an idiot. But, you know, very intelligent people who just don't pay attention can also be duped. But but either you're in on it or you were duped because the nobody who understands what the Democrat Party is about will still vote for them. I, I am convinced there is no possible way. Right. And well, and you look at Joe Biden's schedule and he's been doing nothing on a daily basis. One or two things a day. That's it. You saw President Trump almost daily, especially when this COVID thing hit. The guy was doing what, like an hour, two hour press conferences every day, along with other things. Joe Biden is the invisible president since he appointed Vice President Harris to be in charge of the border. To she be the president. What? Oh, oh, he he's appointing Vice President Harris to be the president. Well, but she's 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 disappeared, too. So this is kind of an issue. Yeah. Uh, so this is, uh, she's going to go meet 
with people from other countries because they think the way to handle the immigration problem that they won't admit as a problem in the United States is to go to other countries like Mexico and Guatemala and El Salvador and go, well, wait, why are everybody living here want to leave and come to our country? I mean, is this is this do we really need money and do we need people to go look at the problem? If you don't understand why people are coming here from those countries, then you're kind of a moron. I just noticed Dame Carolyn said in the troll room that public schools have signs out front saying Black Lives Matter. Um, the the trick with that is uh, to do some community service. Uh, uh, public schools always need uh, a caretakers for their public grounds. You can go up there with a nice wide mower and <laughs> just, uh, you know, mow their lawn for them. Just cut it all down. Um, they might accidentally with your mower, but uh it's really better than they deserve. Well, and then if any of the idiot leftist uh, teachers union funded administrators come out and start yelling at you, you've got a lawnmower. So I. Well, and I have no issue with the slogan Black Lives Matter. It's now the organization. I have an issue with the organization. This, right. We've talked about that at great length. It's the greatest thing to name your organization like we're saving kittens and puppies because then you must be great people. Well. Who's going to disagree with it? Nobody can say, oh, black lives don't matter. That, that, I mean, the, the sentiment itself is a no brainer, but the organization is a terrorist organization that seeks to destroy our way of life. So yeah, I've got a problem. And when, I mean, I have no problem with people that say black lives matter, but then if somebody responds with, well, white lives matter too, and you go racist, it's like, well, no, wait a minute. You're putting so this- one life over another now, and that is an issue. So this was really, really deep for, for an opening uh, topic of conversation. I, I'm just thinking what I brought was racist paint. Racist paint, maybe. That's, that's, all, I, that's all I brought for, for my political topic. You know, well, this is what's going on. And this thing in Chicago is another case that is getting people, including AOC, you know, to, to chime in. We have, like I said, CBS was the one that crop the video this is a case this is a case of a 13 year old but you get a lot more information once things are sorted out here in chicago as you probably picked up listening to grumpy old ben's there is a lot of violence going on we may have even talked about i believe we did in one of the earlier episodes on surveillance about the fact that chicago has special microphones planted on i'm assuming light poles and stuff throughout the city that are doing informants doing nothing all the time but listening for gunshots and because of the way this system is set up when there's a gunshot in the city of chicago they have a pretty good idea where it happened right you can triangulate using that information and this is what happened in the case of adam toledo is there was a gunshot at about 2 30 in the morning the police rolled and they came across two people the first one they caught which was the guy that was with adam toledo who was a 21 year old who was not a relative of adam toledo either so this wasn't like he was out with a cousin or a brother or something like that the guy had a had already been arrested couldn't carry a gun So the thought is that he was the one that originally shot the gun 
and then gave it to the kid and they both ran when the cops got there the cops immediately caught the 21 year old but they don't know who they're chasing at this point except they're chasing somebody down an alley who has a gun in their hand now i don't know <laughs> anybody that's gonna try to you know i i feel it's uh i understand why people want to judge the female cop in the other case much more because it's like well it was daylight you knew who you were dealing with he was just getting it into his car this to me changes everything when you're running down a dark alley at three in the morning in chicago chasing somebody that you know has a gun in their hand that was recently fired this as a cop you have to be on guard and the problem we have and we've talked about evidence and we've talked about deep fakes and we talked about video a lot what is being used now to demonize this cop is well wait look we can we can freeze frame this video right here and we see clearly the kid doesn't have a gun in his hand when he was shot well when they run this at speed between the time he has the gun in his hand and it's behind his body where the cop can't see it and the time the shot is fired, eight tenths of a second. What can the human mind respond to in eight tenths of a second? Nothing. What sounds like the solution is, is to breed super cops that have faster reaction times and, and only use them. Maybe and you know, my answer still to all this is then if the neighborhoods really don't want the cops, completely pull them out and just make it very clear where the cop free zones are. Until that, the neighborhood people that live there stand up and say, hey, wait, no, we want the cops. And that's always been my solution, too, is it, it, we, we were talking about these, you know, a police officer being raked over the coals in the court of public opinion for making a mistake. And it was a bad mistake. But um, I, I, I don't understand in in today's society, in in these the wokest run cities, I don't understand why anybody is still a cop. At some point, you, you've got to realize that, um, all of your bosses hate you and want you to fail. And there, you should never be in a position in a job. You should never be in a vocation in any way where you do not have support of the people above you in order to do the job you've been given. And that's where the police officers in many, many of these wokest run cities are they're in a position where the, you know, if, if not their lieutenant or even their chief who might even support them, um, the, the politicians and bureaucrats above them are, are trying to make your job fail. You need to not be in that job. And, and the, the right way to solve this. And again, you know, every time that I come out with the right way to do something, it's, it involves people mass opting out, which people don't do that because people are are dumb. And also because a lot of people don't understand the idea that if you quit a bad job, then you're, you know, no matter how much effort it is to try to get a new job, it's still going to be better to when you get one. But if all the cops just quit, you got your cop free zone and then all of the wokists can sit in there and stew in the crime ridden shithole they've created. and now. Whether or not they learn a lesson that, oh boy, maybe we do need police, whether they learn that or not, if, if, you know, let's just, let's just build a wall around Seattle, Portland, Chicago, Minneapolis, New York, and 
you know, make them pay for it. And we just say, okay, you know what? This is, this is a, a Kurt Russell movie now. Right. It's we're, we're done here. Go for it. Do, do whatever the hell you want. You can learn your lesson or don't, but make it not our problem. Yeah, there was a uh, a guy named Leo Terrell who was on Fox News talking about this. And he's like in his 60s. He is a uh, black civil rights attorney. And he was backing the cops. He said, you know, their job is to protect a civilized society. And this is something that I think is getting so glossed over in every part of the media when they where they're dealing with these cases that, oh, let's defund the police. It's like you don't understand if you're saying that what their job or, is to do, which is to or, protect. Or, or use use the term keep the peace. Right. And if if there isn't any peace to keep, what are you doing? Well, yeah, you got a real problem. If, or or if the people at the very top, uh, I mean, that that's the problem. The people at the very top are the the woke city councils are working as hard as they can to destroy the peace. And you as a as, as a beat cop uniform on the ground, it, it you are being told your job is to try to work against what your city council is doing. I, I just I don't I don't get why you know, inertia is the only reason that anybody in these cities still has. And the idea of, well, if I stick around a little while longer than I get my pension, maybe or yeah, yeah, good luck with that, with the economy crashing um, or you know, oh, well, uh, I, I've been a cop for a while and I know the thing and, and it's hard to get a new job. Well, you know, what's even harder than than finding a new job where you're appreciated is sitting in a job where you're not appreciated. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And well, like you said, the bosses are against them. This was a statement from Cook County Board or as I can say Crook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, who said Adam Toledo was just a child and should still be alive. We must demand justice and accountability for this tragedy and address the law enforcement system that have allowed this to happen time and time again. Now, if you remember, if you're listening to Random Thoughts, you've heard that name Tony Preckwinkle before, because this was the yeah, moron. How can you forget a name like that? <laughs> it's a great name. But this was the moron when we were talking about carjacking. And oh, why did why did the city of Chicago? Why all of a sudden was there a spike? In carjacking. Remember, one of these other idiot politicians here was blaming Grand Theft Auto because, yeah, that's why. And I traced it back then to when the carjackings actually became an issue because there was a long time that they were going down, down, down a lot like a lot of things in America, gun crime included going down. Things were good. And all of a sudden they spiked and we tracked it back to Tony Preckwinkle, who was behind changing the law that said, yeah, if you're under 18 and you carjack somebody, we're never going to prosecute you as an adult, which is basically a free ticket for all of the kids to go a carjacking. And that's exactly what's happened. And if, you wonder if anybody, why. If anybody tries to blame a video game like Grand Theft Auto and say, well, people learn to carjack from that game. Um, here, Here's your quick response. If that were true, then carjackings would go down. Because people would walk up and, you know, walk out in you know, in that game. If you needed wheels, you needed a car, you would walk out in the middle of the street and sometimes you would gesture it again and about half the drivers would slow down. And then you walk around to the driver's side door and you push the 
X button on your controller and your character would then animate of grabbing the door, opening the door, pulling the guy out, maybe slamming his head in the door and all of this from one button. And people would be walking up. First of all, half of them would be walking out in the middle of the street going, I need a car and then getting run over (laughs) because that's not really how real traffic works. People don't usually stop that fast. It's not. Um, well, they shouldn't anyway, but, but you walk up to the, you walk up to the driver's side of the door. You're like, where's my X button? Right. It, it, carjacking someone is not one button. Uh, yeah. And, well, yeah. And, and then usually- the other thing, the other, the big complaint I always had about every one of these games uh, and that I, I, of everything goes on in the games. This was the lack of realism that bugged me. None of the cars in any of the games had a door lock. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Because. Because every single car, you just walk up to the car, grab the handle, open it, pull the guy out. It's it's one button, and suddenly all of this happens. Obviously, the guy's not fighting back. It's clearly not Chicago because the driver is not pulling a fucking gun out and shooting you for trying to pull him out of the car. Right. right. And then you know you're in a car, and you the gang members who were the only characters in the game that weren't you that had any ounce of sense or ability to do anything they would carjack you and i'm like there's a button right on the driver's side of the inside of the door that should prevent them from being able to open the door and pull me out but it's just as easy for them right unless they're gonna shoot you first video games are not realistic if you say video games are teaching people to carjack well there's a whole lot of details about how to actually carjack somebody that are kind of glossed over when you say push one button and watch a movie. Well, yeah, you can usually have to have a gun. So where are you getting the gun? But I remember a scene in Miami Vice. Let's go back to the 80s where uh, Rico was sitting there in a you know stakeout or something. He's just sitting in his car and there's a newspaper you know on his lap and this guy comes up to carjack him and he has got a little like 22 or maybe it's a nine millimeter in his hand and he's like hey get out of the car and rico just lifts the sawed off shotgun up and he's like i don't think you want to do this or something like that just a really cool line and the guy just like runs away but it's like yeah that's more chicago than just being allowed to uh be your pulled out of your car but if you also listen to random thoughts this week you uh heard me talk about something that happened in minneapolis which was a video posted on Twitter or retweeted, whatever it was, by a guy I follow here in Chicago, who is a Chicago cop. So he has some interesting viewpoints on this. But this was a video out of the middle of the riots going on in Minneapolis after the uh, right shooting. And they were looking at who was driving down the street and were saying, oh, they're white. They're white. Pull them out and pull them out of the car. Beat their ass. They're white. And it's like, excuse me. This seems like racism to me. This seems like a hate crime, but I didn't see this on any of the mainstream media. I didn't see them covering this, that you had a angry mob of African-American people who were targeting white people, pulling them out of their car and beating them. Again, we need to see both sides of these things going on. If you really want the truth, if you really want to get to the bottom of things, if you really want to make that change that all these morons say they want to make, then you have to be honest about what's going on. You can't say one side is innocent and the other side's guilty. There's a lot of guilt to go around. You know, there's a really simple solution. Um, I I got this one from uh, listening to Sir Gene's podcast. Wow. People still listen to that guy's show. He talks a lot. 
I, I had to. I was I was on Sir Gene's show yesterday. I don't know when that's going to be released, uh, but I think he has to sort through the 12 hours of talking we did. Um, <laughs> and turn but, it uh, into 20 hours? <laughs> I, 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 um, the solution is is quite simple, um, and, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to credit Sir Gene with this idea. We need to uh, switch everything over to robot policemen. Just take all humans out of policing. And uh, this will apparently solve all of our problems. Now, never mind that it'll introduce a bunch of new ones um, or or that it'll hand uh, our very lives to Silicon Valley. But uh, <laughs> it, it would solve the problem of expecting a cop to make a decision on the spot. Right. So there's that. Right. Which was another thing that the civil rights attorney Leo Terrell said, which was a cop does not have to wait to be shot at when again you have a suspect that you know has a gun with you if you wait to get shot at usually you're dead yeah it's the the way most shootings work is that whoever shoots first is usually the winner yes which is why i have such a problem with preckwinkle's quote starting with adam toledo was just a child i mean what when do we when do we stop this bullshit when do we stop well, the whole, it was just a child. It was like when they stop acting like children. <laughs> well, having a gun, right. Is having a gun and running from the police is and no when, longer acting like a child, or maybe it is. When, when they know. stop acting like children with guns. Yeah. I, it, this is not a case of when, when they start was voting Republican because they've gained some maturity. Well, yeah, if they ever do. And uh, the question of where this family member, you know, and it's like, there's, there's a lot of blame to go around and I do appreciate that his family is calling for peace and not violence. So that is a plus because a lot of times these things happen and the family goes in the exact opposite direction. I mean, they know what issues they had with the kid. I mean, if you're out at 13 years old in the middle of the night with an armed felon, that's 21 years old. I mean, this seems like gang activity because usually did you know a lot of 21 year old kids that wanted to hang out with a little 13 year old Bembrose? I mean, it doesn't usually well, happen. I was the coolest 13 year old out there. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So uh, maybe it happened more in, in your little area there. But this seems like a case of being involved with the wrong group of people. This seems to be, again, a case of the cop didn't know he was chasing a 13 year old. It seems like he was a fairly tall 13 year old. And if you're at night, you know, he was in a hoodie. You don't know who you're dealing with. You know, you're chasing a human being with a gun. And the kid ditched the gun right before he turned around, but the cop didn't see him ditch the gun. And in that eight tenths of a second, it is just unbelievable how the media will pick up a freeze frame like, well, see where we can prove he didn't have a gun in his hand. But the same video shows he did less than a second before. I mean, that is. That is I, I think that the the whole thirteen year old thing is a is a red herring. The probably. entire scenario you're discussing falls pretty solidly in the category of of scenarios that that good parenting would have prevented you from getting into. Well, yeah, if your uh, parents knew what you were doing, I mean, I don't know. Again, going back to a thirteen year old Bembrose, how often did your parents not know where you were at three in the morning? Well, usually at three in the morning, I was still playing video games upstairs. So they had a pretty good idea. <laughs> right. Like, Go to bed. Turn the damn game off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I got that a lot. Yes. Uh huh. You know, Lori Lightfoot says, uh, simply put, we failed Adam. It's like, well, how did we fail this kid? I mean, you failed him 
from not stemming the violence in the city long before this, this, this is, happened. This is Lori Lightfoot. How does she not fail everything that she tries? You know, and the fact is that she should know a lot about this because she was involved Failing? with the police. Well, yes, as her job before she was the mayor was that was what she was involved in. She was in charge of like overseeing the police department as a she was a prosecutor. But I mean, she was very much thought of to be maybe a little too pro police in Chicago. Now, this has to stop when you're the mayor. So, I mean, I think she's caught in a very bad place when it comes down to this, because if you want to be elected again, you can't show sanity. You can't show logic. You can't be the mayor that says, you know, this is a tragedy, but we have a 13 year old kid on the street at 3 a.m. with a gun running from the police. What did you think was going to happen? You can't do that when you're a liberal mayor in Chicago or you'll never get reelected, even if that's what she believes. This whole thing's got you really worked up. Well, it's because we talk about this every week, the violence that's going on in Chicago and crickets from the rest of the media. Crickets. Oh, yeah. Even they what, what was it they mentioned on No Agenda yesterday? Something about the the, the shooting gun stats and people aren't focusing on it. And, and like, excuse me, every single Monday on Grumpy Old Ben's, we are pointing out how many people are getting shot uh, by we. I mean, you. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean. Yeah, you brought some quality rants, though, and, and I, I don't want to interrupt them, but I did bring tech stories, believe it or not. Well, if you want to do any of those today, we certainly can. I just think people need to be aware of what's going on. I think most people listening to us are. But when you see this, like, oh, this is a major problem with the police shooting kids in Chicago. It's like, no, other kids are shooting kids in Chicago at a clip of probably a couple a day. And that doesn't make the news once every six months. A kid or an unarmed suspect accidentally gets shot by the police and that's all over the place. And that is so disingenuous. That is so not the problem with with what's going on here. It would be nice if you could actually look Uh, at the issue. On on the contrary, I think the disingenuousness of the media is exactly the, the problem. That's one of the root problems that we're encountering today. Yeah, it is. It really is. And this goes back to the hands up, don't shoot. When it came to Ferguson, and that is something that a vast majority of people that you talk to, I don't care what their color is. Do you ask them what happened in Ferguson? They'll tell you, oh, a cop shot an unarmed guy. It's like, well, no, that didn't happen. It's just like Trump said the Nazis were real fine people. Never happened. The media keeps reporting this stuff over and over again, like it's facts. And then they wonder why people go, I don't know. I don't know if we can trust what you're saying because you lie. But that's okay. I guess the one bright thing is we also brought a story of uh, since Joe Biden was uh, inaugurated into office, CNN has shed more than half of its viewers. Good and and good on them. Yeah, no, it's it's much less than they deserve. Down. What about the other half? Down a staggering sixty percent in a key demographic. It's that's yeah okay in a few months. I mean, there's nothing bad about this. This is this is genuine. This is a feel good story. This is good news. <laughs> it is that people are maybe waking up. I don't know where they're getting their news. I mean, the the danger is they're still going to places like TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and thinking that's a legitimate place for news. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there's no helping some people. I, I feel like, you know, one one ancient thing. 
CNN is they're they're not quite as old as ABC, CBS, NBC, the big three that have been around for 60 years. But uh, CNN is is definitely old media. They are one of the big companies they made. You know, I remember when they first came on the scene and became huge because they were the network that had the live feeds from the Pentagon of us bombing uh, a foreign country in 1991. Um, well, that was good watching. It, you know, it was absolutely fascinating and amazing and the kind of thing that nobody had ever had before. And it was the thing that turned CNN into a real network. And they've gone downhill and downhill and downhill. And uh, as as I keep pointing out, you know, every every time you're like, OK, something has uh, some organization or institution has become thoroughly corrupt from inside, then the proper way to do it, which is unfortunately, it always takes time, is people just stop patronizing that organization. If, if it's a media outlet that's gone completely corrupt, then stop listening to them. If it's, uh, uh, you know, if, if it's public schools, I feel like that, uh, a once, once 50% of the kids start homeschooling, then people in the public school system will start to get a clue. They'll still steal your money and, you know, waste it on things. But, it, um, in in every case where I'm 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 like you know the the right solution is these people are all corrupt we need to turn our backs on them and the story you just you know what you just said is people are in fact turning their backs on CNN because they're starting to realize that um this is a soap opera this isn't news this is this is a a, a long opinion piece trying to wrap itself in a thin veneer of journalism that has a bunch of holes in it and the more people realize the more people turn away and that is how proper social change is supposed to work and so there's absolutely nothing about this story i dislike well and you're right you're right it is a soap opera and what does every soap opera need or any really good television show need to keep people tuning in over and over they need the massive heel they need the bad guy trump's gone there's no bad guy (laughs) The, the well, that, soap that opera explains, got boring. That explains WWE. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. And it gets very boring. In fact, in fact, you know what? I, I never, I was never a big pro wrestling fan, but I recognize that, that, I mean, there are people out there who inexplicably like paying attention to that sort of thing. But the thing is, they were so transparent about producing a, a, a modern day melodrama. That's what it is. It, uh, it, it it is just over the top and campy that they pretty much defined all of the terms and story, like the heel right. to, I think came from that. And you look at that and they're really transparent and really out in the open about, we are producing a soap opera with, you know, these are the characters and these are the plots and these are the the twists. But if you look at that plot, it's being played out all over the place by a lot of people who don't want you to realize that it's a soap opera. Right. <laughs> CNN is one of those places. They are. And they lost the heel. And now they don't know what to do. The people that were tuning in every day to get their dopamine hit of being told, oh, large man, bad. Now they're like, well, wait, but where's Joe? What's he doing? Tell us what Joe's doing. He, you know, Because if Joe was doing anything, Joe could be playing the hero. But Joe's hiding in the basement and only poking his head out for about five minutes a day and not doing yes. anything. And so, Harry Hamster in the troll room mentioned uh, Wag the Dog, which is a fantastic movie that if you've not seen it, you need to go see it. It, it is 
uh, it, it's kind of a satire, but the, the plot of the movie is that Robert De Niro is a spinster who's hired by an outgoing president who is trying to get reelected and a scandal comes up and he knows that if the scandal breaks, that he will not be reelected. So this spinster goes out and creates an entirely fictional war to divert people's attention and cover up. That's the plot of the movie. It is, it is also kind of a melodrama. It's kind of a, uh, it's satire, but that plot is played out in mainstream media every single time. When, when you have, you have something in the media that they don't want you to notice and they go off and manufacture something else. That's CNN's playbook, right? It's the ultimate in squirrel. And they want to divert your attention somewhere else. And it's, it's sad that it continues to work as well as it is, especially in an era where we have accessibility. Well, we do and we don't because we're seeing the amount of services, including MailChimp, who for a while stopped the no agenda newsletters. We have Project Veritas being kicked from was Twitter or Facebook uh, just for exposing CNN, this concept that these social media companies are running rampant and removing content that is doing nothing but shedding light on telling the truth, doing investigative journalism. You really have to wonder how anybody gets honest to goodness truth and honest to goodness facts in an era where you should have complete access to just about everything. But you know, now we have deep fakes. Now we have the ability to lie. Now we have massive corporations that are willing to silence people that are saying things that one side doesn't like. You no longer have the ability to have a true debate on what's going on. And that will kill the Democratic Republic that we have here. That is a a. Free and open media is more important, I think, than a lot of people believe. And we have racist paint. Oh, it's just the name of the color. I mean, is there something like buckwheat? No, actually, the word racist did not appear anywhere in this BBC article, which admittedly puts it in the minority for BBC articles. Um, No, this one was straight out of the science department of the BBC. And uh, there's not a lot here, but I thought I'd just throw it in for an entremond. The... uh, BBC reports on a new ultra white paint being made with barium sulfate that reflects quote 98% of sunlight that reaches it. Um, they say that it could save energy and fight climate change by painting roofs, uh, because they point out that in a, a roof of 1000 square feet absorbs in, in the middle of this day, it will absorb up to 10 kilowatts of heat from the sun. And if you paint the roof to reflect it, then it will reflect that back into space and um, or, you know, into the CO2 layer where it contributes to greenhouse gases. But at least you're not spending energy to cool down your house um, until, you know, until the winter when you have to spend more to heat it. Yes. Well, they, <laughs> this is very much uh, uh, of the, the the story is written from the angle of of places where you spend more energy on cooling than on heating. Um, it would. Um, they do point out that there is a, uh, in 2014, there was a color that came out called Manta Black, which was, uh, made with nanoscale carbon tubes, which is the blackest paint ever. 
Um, the thing that really got me about this story, other than just the coolness of having these colors available, and by the way, neither one is going to be commercially available to for you to paint your house with anytime soon. Oh man, uh, I was going to do that this weekend. Uh, if if you're a big company, you might be able to make an order, but uh, they say it's not available for consumer use. Um, but just the idea of the BBC, uh, it it felt like a throwback to before everything was racist because they were talking about uh, the whitest paint ever and the blackest paint ever. And uh, not once did they make a reference to uh, white people or black people or anything <laughs> like that. So I had to bring that reference to you just so that, you know, this is still the BBC. This is still 2021 and black paint matters. And uh, white paint supremacy is the root of all of our evils. But but it'll save us electricity. White paint. Yeah. White paint yeah. power. And I do. I do think that this is I mean, from a pure technology standpoint, this is really, really cool. That If you can, you know, if you can, if you're in somewhere really far north, you paint your roof dark black and you absorb sunlight. And when the sun comes out, which means, you know, anywhere far north that gets sunlight. Um, you, you can save money on heat. And then if you're in Arizona or, or New Mexico or Florida or anywhere that gets too much sunlight and you end up spending most of your energy in, uh, cooling, then having a reflective roof is, is a really cool idea. And more importantly, um, you know, if you can get a hold of some of this that's safe for skin, then you can make <laughs> the most impressive white face or black face. Now, what I'd really like is a roof that can flip itself over automatically, depending on the temperature outside. If you live in Wyoming where it's windy enough, your roof can flip itself over (laughs) spontaneously. That would be awesome because that's the problem. You know, here in Chicago, it goes from negative whatever to 100 degrees. And there's uh, times you can use both. You you need to change the color of your roof twice a day. Yeah, need to just get out there. But now if you could do this automatically, which I don't know why you couldn't, I mean, be able to switch these things on the fly. All you need is just a bunch of panels that can flip over and uh, and that would do what it needs to do. Of course, they want you to put solar panels and stuff on your yeah. roof, too. <laughs> I mean, I, I it, they don't. The, obviously, this stuff has just been developed. It's not quite ready for for retail use. But depending on how expensive it is, at what point is it just cheaper to put solar panels up there, generate some power? Yeah, generate power, and that way you can start getting more and more off the grid, which is always something. I mean, good to be. I mean, solar panels generate a hell of a lot of waste heat. They're they're kind of like painting your roof black. They generate power from it, but um, they they don't reflect. You know, the the benefit to the white paint is just that it. Any sunlight that hits your roof then gets bounced off into space, mostly. Which I mean, anybody that's ever gone outside on a hot summer day with a black shirt on has understood the concept of don't wear black if you don't want to overheat. You want yes. to wear white in the summer. There's a reason. It's science. Yes, yes. Being goth in in hot places in summer <laughs> is is very difficult. Your makeup will start running. It won't be pretty. You don't want that yes. to happen. You don't. Uh, Sir Gene says he's been spending the last seven hours just editing your episode. So, I mean, I guess that'll be coming up at Sir Gene Speaks at some point. I'm sure you guys covered a lot of good stuff, mainly yeah. how awesome I am. That would be my guess. Yeah, part of it. That, that, that did come up, yes. That's probably at least two uh, or three hours of the yeah, show. The, the very first question he sprung on me was, uh, was, so, Ryan, 
how come you're so difficult to schedule for an interview? <laughs> Doesn't he know you? And I got to tell you, I was not prepared to answer that one. <laughs> you didn't have a list of reasons why you were so difficult. Well, I had a list of reasons. I just wasn't sure how much I wanted to piss off the interviewer on the first question. I always do that very early. That way you get out of the uh, interview quick. You leave them one. Maybe more. that's uh, I don't have enough. I, maybe I just don't have enough experience being an interviewee. I mean, people have not found me all that interesting most of the time. And I, you know, I wasn't prepared for why am I so difficult to schedule? Because the real reason is I'm very difficult to schedule because nobody wants to hear what I'm saying. (laughs) Right. The difficulty is not usually that you're not showing up. It's that nobody's asking you is what you're saying. I mean, I, I would, I would talk on everybody's show if I thought that people wanted to hear me. And then, you know, I I mean, I got to admit, I the the first 15 or 20 times that he asked, I, I thought that Sergene was just putting me on like you were <laughs> two years ago when you were like, let's do a podcast. And, and see, he actually talked to you and he's going to release it. That's crazy talk. Well, I don't know if he's going to release it. It's going to he's going to he's going to drip he it out in like 15 minute segments. He's I did manage to monopolize his time for for several hours. It, it, you know, it was it was a really good conversation. I was I was quite happy about it. And, um, if, and if anybody else wants you to make an appearance get, on their show, they can just reach out. Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at GrumpyOldBenz.com. We got to talk about uh, floating barges in the atmosphere of Venus. (laughs) Okay, this seems like you guys really had a lack of things to talk about. There were were a lot of, you know, we never stayed on one topic for a while. Anyway, um, I got another zero day from Pwn to Own. Ooh, they, they do a lot of good work over there. Yeah, that's the gift that keeps on giving. This one from Bleeping Computer. Um, where a researcher whose name I did not write down, and I probably should look that up because that's important. Right. And for um, those that don't remember, Pwn to Own is, well, a virtual conference this year, which is a bunch of hackers who show all the exploits and make a lot of money from some of these if they come up with a zero day that has not been exposed before, that is something new. And it has proven to us one thing. And that is there is no operating system and no software that is impervious to this kind of stuff. Exactly. So this one from uh, Rajvardhan Agarwal. Okay. Now I know why I didn't write it down. <laughs> um, we're going to call him Raj. Uh, it, it's an Indian name. And uh, yeah, it, it, I, I, I apologize Raj for butchering your name, but um, he put out uh, a, Proof of concept that included a an HTML file and a corresponding JavaScript file, uh, which will uh, which composes a remote code exploit or a remote code execution exploit in current versions of both Chrome and Edge. Uh, now, the 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 benefit to this one is and i didn't i didn't download the actual file partly because i didn't want to accidentally run it <laughs> and partly because um i i i know that i could probably spend 40 minutes trying to dissect that code and figure out what the hell it's doing um i i didn't because uh you know i i don't want to put in that much effort for this show but uh suffice it to say bleeping computer did in fact do that and they were able to use the proof of concept that he sent out to launch calculator. Uh, this is uh, the, the important bits of information is that uh, there is not currently a version of either Chrome or edge that is not affected by this vulnerability. However, 
The good part about this particular one is that the Chrome sandbox is able to contain it, which means, uh, the, you know, that all, all tabs in Chrome are automatically by default executed inside of their own sandbox process space. And this thing cannot execute code outside of that. Um, however, there are other vulnerabilities. In fact, one that came out a few days ago at, at the Pona own conference that allows you to break out of the sandbox under certain conditions. And if you combined this vulnerability with one of those, it is possible to get out and execute code. And, you know, calculator is one of the least malicious apps that people can execute. But, but you, as you know, if somebody is capable of, of executing code just by you visiting a website, then one of the first pieces of code they'll execute is, is go ahead and open up some ports using your UPnP and set up a listening daemon so that somebody can log in and add me as part of a botnet and and download more code to execute. Right. Because the, the moment that one piece of code, I mean, that's, that's the problem from a security standpoint. Remote code execution is pretty much the worst type of security, uh, security vulnerability you can have. Because the moment that an attacker is capable of running one piece of code, they can run any code they want because it's so easy to just install a backdoor into your system. And, you know, this is why, for example, uh, if you don't have UPnP disabled, then it's more difficult. Uh, if you have, you know, if you keep the sandbox enabled on Chrome, which fortunately most people do, then it's, you know, they can, in, they can try to install the backdoor, but the backdoor can't get out of the sandbox. So you're, you're better off. Um, so this this particular problem happens to be fixed in the latest V8 engine, but has not made it into any browsers yet. So it will be soon, but that so will be soon. At this point, there are issues. I mean, it's it's one of the good things that Google did with Chrome, the concept of the sandbox. They were the first one. I'm not even sure if Firefox has ever added that, which it allegedly keeps things safer because if you do have an issue, it's supposed to keep that from going outside. but as we know, people are finding those loopholes. They're finding the there was one. Was this the one that they were calling like Lego stack that they were using different bits of code to do different things? So things that kind of would, if they were all put together, would set things off. They weren't because they were coming in smaller bits and pieces to not flag things like antivirus and malware software, which, you know, this, this, I, have, way, I have seen attacks like that. It's genius. It really is. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I've seen attacks that go so far as to, you know, in order to not trip up any of the protections that prevent you from downloading code, what they'll actually do is go through other parts of your memory and scan for random memory sequences that look like the code they want to execute and then pull that in because now it didn't come from the Internet. Makes sense. Yeah. Do things from I mean. It's, there's some scary shit out there. Well, there is. And there was an article on bleeping computer as well. Hack boss malware poses as hacker tools with. I thought this was great. Only on Telegram. I thought Telegram say all these were supposed to be so safe. No, they're not. This is where all the criminals hang out. But this I thought was a great concept. And just from the fact that this was malware that people were downloading thinking they were getting hacking tools. I mean. This is where the script kitty problem comes in that yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, hey, you need to hack your girlfriend's uh, 
social media account or banking account, whatever it is, dating account, you download this and we'll help you crack in to any of those accounts. That's the oldest hack in the book. It's it's the it is a hack that is older than the oldest computer. It is you hack the meatware and and everything else in the computer that tries to protect your security is useless. Yes. And in this case, it just had a very simple little uh, interface that came up. And the minute you touched a button on this interface, it installed a, a piece of malware, which even if you shut that down, the malware was there. Even if you found yeah. the service in the malware, it would start up like a minute later or when you rebooted the computer. The most interesting thing to me was what this malware actually did, which was nothing but looking for, at least as far as I can tell, a crypto address at, in your clipboard, which almost always when you're paying somebody by crypto, nobody oh, yeah. types it in. <laughs> no. No, you. That's that's actually kind of genius because yes, it's a long I, I, code. Passwords are similar too. For yes. example, when I, when, you know, when when I use my my password manager uh, KeePass, uh, I, I you know, I, I let KeePass generate my passwords, which are usually you know fifteen to twenty characters long and composed of very random characters because they're strong passwords, and that's great. But I'm not manually typing those in. I'm doing the same thing. Right. And when you're paying somebody, you want to make sure you got their address exactly right. So you use the clipboard. And now what this would do, if it recognized the clipboard was hit with a Bitcoin address, an Ethereum address, a Litecoin address, or a Dogecoin address, it would change it to the address of the scammers. Because most of the time, if you're copying that information, you're going to pay somebody. Yeah. And and because who who even looks at that? Nobody. That was the point. It's like you're just you copy, you paste, you see it's a valid address and you hit OK. That's evil. Yes. Rarely will people look at the address and make sure it's the right one because you like, well, I cut and paste. I mean, I'm cutting it. I'm pasting it. And then and then you're like, I tried to send it. Well, it didn't come through. Okay, try it again. You know, (laughs) the amount of money that they pulled in from this scam. Bitcoin, a little over $543,000. Ethereum, over $16,000. So that's what, like three Bitcoins? It was 8.43 Bitcoin. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) you know, this was this raised them over a half a million bucks over a couple of years. So it wasn't hugely successful, but a half a million bucks over a couple of years, which um, that's pretty good money. Yeah. I mean, the the. The idea that the malware would would keep reinstalling itself, even if you cleaned it, is is the uh, when when I was a in in corporate land, uh, one of the one of the policies, which was generally not terribly popular, uh, but the the IT department pushed on people, the IT security in particular, uh, was that if at any point ever your machine becomes compromised by any malware, any virus, whatever. And and they were very aggressive at pushing the virus scans all the time. Um, then no exceptions. That machine must be paved, formatted down to bits and reinstalled and rebuilt from scratch, which was a tremendous amount of work. And a lot of people resisted this, especially if you spent much time customizing your machine. But from a purely security standpoint, that is the only way to know that you have got rid of most malware. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no scan. There's no program in the world that you can trust got 100 percent of the infection, which is why people used this was way more prevalent 10 years ago or so. You would get your system. I mean, I used to build my own. You would get Windows installed. You would get, I mean, this is when you were still installing off of physical media too, and that sucked. You would oh, install yeah. the programs you wanted to install, and then you would make a copy of that. You would, uh, you would clone that. So when everything went to oh, hell, yeah. you could just go back at least to that point because there was nothing worse. If you had to reinstall Windows, wow. and then you're like, Oh, that crap. that was back when there, were, there was nothing worse. Like, oh, shit, I have to rebuild this thing with all the apps. Because you're, yes. you're looking at at five, six hours of babysitting this stupid thing and feeding it disks when it asks. Yeah, a lot of times just for the Windows part, you were five or six hours <laughs> back then. And then the, the updates. I mean, holy crap. When you were dealing oh, yeah. with physical media and then the updates, it was like, I mean, still, it can take a very long time. If yeah, you- yeah, <laughs> that that started to change, you know. Uh, Windows, they started to uh, release like, okay, you know, we're going to go ahead and snapshot at this point. We're going to change the media that we send out to everybody to include all the updates up until this point. And the reason that they started doing that was they realized that in the time that it takes to scan for and download the updates, your computer was already being infected. Right, right. It was it was online. Because you needed to be online to do that. And you're right. You were getting owned because you installed it because you had to. That was what was on the disk. Something that already had known holes in it. And a lot of people don't realize that your computer, your router, I mean, if you're doing everything right, but your home system is being pinged by nefarious people. Well, bots all the time. Everyone. Sometimes people, yeah. Sometimes the, the people. people out there doing the manual port scanning attack. <laughs> well, that, see, now those are the ones that have figured out what your IP address is, and yeah. they're they're taking a little extra time. I mean, there's a difference between the the blanket effect, which is always just you know knocking on every door you can, to oh, I know here's yeah. Bemrose's address, so I'm gonna see what I can do on his system, which is why you have to be very careful anytime. Yeah. And, and- you if you need only one reason to disable UPnP, it is because of the existence and of of a very large number of bots out there on the internet that are just going down the full list of every IP address in existence and knocking on the doors, knocking on ports to see which ones are open. And that's all they do all the time, 24-7. They scan the entire internet to say, okay, at this IP address, we noticed that here's an unlocked door. Here's here's something that has, uh, you know, a port 22 open. Let's go ahead and log that. And then the person can go back later and be like, huh, 22 is usually a, a FTP server. So let's see if we can get in without a password. Let's see if we can get in with some really default passwords. Oh, good, we can. Hey, I wonder what information is in this FTP server. Let's download it. See if we can, you know, and then see if we can upload and see if we can. And that's how they get in. Um, You know, obviously you need layers of security. So even if you have to have a port open um, there, there are a lot of things you can do, like, like don't allow it to index your whole drive or um, don't, uh, you know, run on a a non-default port or yeah, it just that. 
it should scare you that there are just bots out there searching 24-7 the entire internet for every port that can be open, which means that if you have a port open on your router, on your machine that's on the internet, uh, if if your machine goes out to UPnP and and pokes holes in the firewall based on this automatic protocol, then something is going to find that hole and start probing your computer to see about vulnerabilities. Yeah, which is why I hate the idea. I mean, I understand why a lot of people do it, because if you're out all the time and you want to make things uh, work where you can watch media from far away or back up the things from your cell phone, adding your network attached storage devices to the Internet. I don't like to do that. That's yeah, <laughs> it's uh, you, that's why you really need to keep your uh, software and the firmware on those devices up to date. But you have to be careful. I mean, for instance, yesterday you were on Sir Gene's program for four hours. I'm assuming you were connected by clean feed because that's what he uses, which means Sir Gene has your IP address and you have his, which, hey, let the hacking begin between you two crazy kids. Yeah, Sir Gene also has my my email address and well that's not um, going to get him anything well except you know he can send you love notes and ask you to come back on the show which he may that's that sounds like a malware attack if ever <laughs> i've heard one now, what did you think <clears throat> excuse me there was another uh, article on a bleeping computer who really if you want to keep up with any of the security stuff going on this seems to be the source lately that can actually report on things Without getting political and without getting nutso and actually that's trying- still possible. It is thanks to people like a bleeping computer. But they had a story that the FBI went out and deleted a bunch of web shells that had hacked exchange servers on them. So they, they decided, well, there was a problem and they sent out the warning to everybody that, you know, here's the problem in Microsoft Exchange. We know this is what happened. Everybody needs to patch their system. Now, if the people didn't patch the system, the FBI, like your average hacker, was doing the door knocking thing. And they found (laughs) a bunch of these servers and they decided just to go in and delete them to protect the security of the world, I guess. Wait, on on, like on public Internet servers? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a little bit shitty. They uh, they uh, said a court in Houston granted a search warrant on April 9th that permitted the FBI to remove web shells from the listed exchange servers over the next 14 days. And uh, so this is kind of interesting. So they went and said, Hey, we found all of these. Can we, can we nuke them? And the courts went, sure. So, I mean, if you had your micro, if you had an exchange uh, server and it was deleted recently, could have been the FBI. Wow. I I mean, I've, I've been privy to arguments like that internally and, you know, when people are like, uh, Windows has a vulnerability and, uh, it, you know, it's a remote code exploit vulnerability. And we've identified a bunch of computers that out on the Internet that have it. Uh, and and why is it not, you know, what's wrong with just going out and executing remote code that patches a vulnerability? And ultimately, what's wrong with that is that it's not your computer. Well, and they didn't patch the vulnerability. They deleted the. Well, yeah, but I mean, that patches the vulnerability. <laughs> well, that's true. The vulnerability has gone, but your data may be. I mean, ultimately, well. the, the decision that we came to was uh, we are not going to we're you know, we're going to do everything we can to try to inform people. And, and you know, even up to the point where 
you know, if, if we happen to catch an email address or something, we'd send mail that email saying, Hey, you know, your computer's wide open. Uh, but ultimately we came to the conclusion that executing our code on somebody else's computer without their consent was not a good idea or, or was, was not, you know, not ethical. And I'm, I'm happy that we came to that conclusion back in the day, but I don't think that that conversation is still even being had in places like Microsoft and Apple. They're just saying, uh, well, of course, you know, if we have the power to do something, we have to do it. Well, we're seeing this with things very- like the flash player where windows literally ripped it off of systems and said, you can no longer have this on your system, which I understand why in the case of flash, but it's a very slippery slope from one to the other where it's like, well, we just don't think you should have this whatever on your system anymore because it's dangerous. So we'll just delete it for you. And well, we'll- it's also, it also makes some assumptions that may or may not be true. If, if you go out and you scan and you find some computer that is vulnerable to some exploit and you just decide, okay, well, in that case, I'm going to patch the exploit on the computer because I, you, you know, use the exploit to patch itself. That, that sounds like a really great idea, but you know, what if it's a, what if it's a honeypot? Right. Uh, what if it's, uh, you know, what there, there might be reason. And, and if you go in with the assumption of, oh, well, the person either doesn't know or doesn't care that this is an exploit and therefore we're going to save the whole world. You're, you're being woke and you're making assumptions that might not be true. Mm, yes, Piglet, please come into my honeypot. Okay. <laughs> but this is bizarre to me that the, uh, the bleeping computer article says the FBI requested this warrant because they believed that the owners of the still compromised web servers did not have the technical ability to remove them on their own and that the shells posed a significant risk to the victim. So this is saving you by going in and deleting this on your server. And this does open up an interesting question of who is responsible for this stuff i mean most people believe they are i I would like to think the owner of the computer is yes but now that's not what things are looking like that if you're running something that the government don't like the government might just take it down well that's why that's why security needs to exist not just for for uh, unethical non-government hackers but also for unethical government hackers I, I I mean, the who the attacker is doesn't change the fact that I want security because it's my computer. Fuck off. All of you all get out of my computer. Yes. Now, it does seem that they were taking things down that were installed by bad people because it says the FBI personnel will access the web shells, enter passwords, make an evidentiary copy of the web shell, and then issue a command that deletes it. But they said they were using known passwords utilized by the threat actors so maybe they uh you know found a bunch of these that have been because a lot of people don't realize a lot of this crypto mining is being done on other people's servers because you just borrow some cpu time yeah and it's it's what botnets are used for anymore you know for for a long time people would uh you know hack you just because they'd be like for the lulls haha i hacked you and then uh for a while they started hacking you trying to uh actually damage your system or trying to exfiltrate information and then uh, you know, the, the purpose of hacking changed to botnets where they weren't, they were no longer trying to damage you or your information. They were instead just using your CPU time to go hurt other people. 
And I think that we've seen yet another change now where instead of using botnets to can, to you know, execute DDoS attacks against things, which still happens, but I think a lot of botnets these days are now just straight up, Hey, look, free CPU resources. Let's go mine some crypto because that's even more lucrative than taking down a website. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you get enough uh, systems, you can start mining that sweet, sweet Dogecoin. So uh, going back a moment to the previous story about the uh, clipboard overriding, I noticed that Sir Gene was pointing out in the troll room that iOS will warn you whenever something attempts to overwrite your clipboard, which is uh, one of many, many uh, security in-depth features that, uh, you know, you, you want lots of features that try to help you. You know, if if this layer fails, you want another layer in the way. And if that layer fails, you want another, you know. And and they don't all have to be guaranteed. Like it's probably not that difficult to get around this iOS feature. Um, but, uh, you know, Sir Gene is, is a huge iOS person, uh, proponent, even to the point where he has said on his podcast that if you are running Android, then you are an idiot. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that sentiment, but well, as you're an long, idiot, then I'm an idiot. There's a lot of idiots. I, there are a lot of idiots out there. Um, but as long as we're on the topic, I wanted to point bring an iOS story. And that is a, a crisis in the Apple app store, uh, of a type of app called fleeceware. Are you Ooh. familiar with this one? Well, fleece is nice in the winter. It keeps you warm. Yeah. I mean, unless you just, just paint your house black, black paint matters. <laughs> okay. Um, it is, it is software that is designed to fleece people. And the reason is, oh, uh, that makes Apple. Sense. Apple has, uh, you know, the, the way that iOS apps work. First of all, um, I, I am not aware that you are capable of operating an iOS device without handing Apple a credit card. Uh, if that's possible, then good on them because that's the way it would work. Um, I sure as fuck haven't given Google any credit card information. Um, I don't hand out credit card information to app stores that I don't trust. However, Apple is extremely adept at uh, separating people from their money and Apple users uh, tend to, as a group, be more likely to be totally cool with handing money to Apple. Um, Fleeceware is an app that is designed to uh, charge you for in-app purchases and prevent you from noticing them. Oh. And, and the real, the real big gold mine here is subscriptions. Uh, the app store API allows somebody to sign up for a subscription. And if you install an app, then, uh, you know, ultimately the iOS API does pop up a dialogue that says, are you sure you want to subscribe to something? But using various, uh, uh, you know, meatware hacking techniques, um, they can, disguise it or you know or they can they can pop up something that says you know uh for you know here's a qr code reader app and if you you know in order to fully unlock the app please subscribe to our newsletter or something and then it triggers the api which pops up do you want to subscribe to this qr app and people will be like yeah sure and now the app using the api it never has to ask you again is just going to charge you fifty dollars a week to have a QR code app installed on your system until and you notice until you notice. And then when you notice that's the point where you can go into the Apple API 
and cancel your subscription, but you've already, uh, you know, as it might not be 50, it might be $500 a week. Um, but that money's gone and Apple, uh, it's been their store policy for a very long time that if you lose money to an app like this, there's no way to get it back. They're not going to help you. They're not interested. Um, I mean, you know, obviously the, the way to fix this is to go in and, uh, you know, be really regular and, and fastidious about checking why your, your list of payments, your list of subscriptions. Um, I, mo- what, what the fleeceware apps are counting on is that most people don't bother to go into the, the, either the website or the page on the iOS where you check, okay, what is my money going to? What they're counting on is Apple sends you, uh, you know, it charges your credit card every month and you just say, okay, well, you think I owe this? I'll pay it. Right. It's Apple. Which, which, well, it's what everybody does. Yeah. 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 It's Apple. They want money. I'll just give it to them. And, um, obviously if you are good about checking, then you're probably going to pick up on these. And if you're really paying attention, you're probably not going to install them or you're going to catch when it asks you for a subscription box. But these apps are the, the existence of them and the fact that they've made a lot of money tells you that not everybody is like that. And, and they've taken uh, a lot of money. Avast did a study where they were able to find, um, in the top uh, 10,000 apps in the app store, they found 204 of them are fleeceware apps and over 100 of those were in a recommended list of one kind or another. Um, they calculate that uh, the fleeceware apps uh, in 2020 alone managed to take Apple users for $360 million in revenue. Oh, that's good money. Now, right there, I'm going to stop and say, why do you think Apple has not cracked down on this? Well, they get a third of everything. Because 30% of 365 million is $109 million that Apple got from you because somebody fleeced you in their app store. So, you know, I'm not really sure. That's 109 million reasons never to close this hole. But I'm not sure Apple won't help you when it's brought up to them, as long as it's within a reasonable amount of time because the only thing that i've ever had an issue with was back when we were going to vegas there's an app which you can go in play some slots through mgm and they give you points for stuff that you can then redeem there was an error in that program at one point that opened up a screen of like you want to buy chips and the only way to get out of it was to uh, push the buy button and then it went through and it was like, well, I didn't mean to buy the five bucks, whatever it was. That's that's never the only way to get out of it. And if I see that shit, then well, I'm there like, was an okay. error because it, yeah. it, it disappeared. So there was either a glitch or there's some I'm, I'm pushing the reboot button and then the uninstall button. Thanks. Right. Right. But to see this happen, because I figured, well, there, there has to be a uh, you know, I was figuring like most things. OK, I'll push this and then it'll be like, OK, here, verify, blah, 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 fingerprint, whatever. But no. And I immediately emailed Apple and they immediately refunded the money. So it depends, I guess, on what the terms of service are with any of this stuff, which is why I think, I mean, I understand if it's over 30 days, credit cards are kind of the same way. If you don't notice, you can't go back and go, hey, three years ago, there was a charge I don't recognize. You you can't go back and say, I've been subscribed to this service for five years. And can you please refund all of it? I've been loving Um, it, but I, I have read the Apple terms of service on this one and the terms of service pretty much spell out that um, 
you don't have any right to get any of that back. Now, uh, what you just said, where if, if you make an honest mistake and catch it immediately and call up support, um, you know, Apple support is willing to go above and beyond what the terms of service actually require of them. And, and that's great. That's, that's good customer PR and they probably will help you. And if you do go in and, and my recommendation is anyone with an iOS is a device is just go in and check your purchase history. You can find, uh, online. If you don't know how to find it in the, in the phone, you can find online how to do it. There's going to be lots of guides and stuff. Um, but look at your list of purchases and especially look at everything that it says you have as a subscription. And make sure that every one of those is something that you intentionally signed up for. Uh, and if you didn't, if you find there's charges on there, then um, it absolutely can't hurt to call up Apple and be like, hey, uh, this this charge isn't supposed to be here. And I, you know, I installed this app and then I uninstalled it. And can you, you know, and maybe they'll work with you. Uh, their terms of service does not require them to. Their terms of service is very clear. And that is if you click the buy button. Um, fuck you. Your money's gone. Caveat emptor. Yes. Uh, here's some of the types of apps that they, uh, that they called out from the Avast study. Flashlight. Um, well, flashlight was on there. Uh, musical instrument apps, palm readers, image editors, camera filters, fortune tellers, <laughs> uh, PDF readers, QR code readers. And this one I did not understand because I've never heard of this as an app category, but they said slime simulators. <laughs> what is a slime simulator? I have no idea, but apparently be careful because you might accidentally subscribe to some slime that you don't want. I mean, I could maybe it's like a photo, uh, you know, kind of a, a something to add to your photos or I'm something like really that. Really not. I mean, maybe it's like one of those physics simulators where you, oh, I, yeah. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know what a slime simulator is. I just know that apparently I need to be careful of it. Um, and then one other example they gave was uh, they found a VPN app whose uh, that had been the VPN app had been submitted to the web store. And it was uh, one of your favorite types of VPNs, a free, free. VPN. Yes. yes. Now, now it was a free VPN that offers you a, a quote free subscription. That was actually what the UI said. And then when you click on it, it charged you something like $40 a month that doesn't for this sound free like subscription. Free. It doesn't, but they can say free when they pop it up. Um, they, uh, they, they checked out and dug into this app. Uh, the app had at one point made it to number 32 in the app store utilities category. So when you're scrolling through looking for a VPN, it was going to be one of the first ones you found. Um, the website attached to the app in the app store, you know, they all, every one of them says to you website here was blank. That and should be a this, sign. Yeah. And this particular app was it, was it was Bemrose VPN? <laughs> this particular app was making over one million dollars a month. Wow! So it wasn't Where, Bemrose VPN, which of course was giving Apple three hundred thousand dollars a month. <laughs> I mean, if it was Bemrose um, VPN, you wouldn't be doing the show anymore. No, That's good money. No, I, I, I'd take that. I, I, I might even be okay. You know, I'd complain about Apple taking their cut, but I might even be okay with the money coming in. Um, other cues that they found in the study was uh, non-existent company addresses, uh, dead phone numbers. Uh, all of this is is the information that you are required to give Apple when you sign up for an app. But Apple is apparently not bothering to check whether your phone number is live or your website has anything on it. Right. They're just filling out the fields in a database. 
And both of which could disappear at a moment's notice because we know how phone numbers you can buy for a day, for an hour. And then be like, oh, oh absolutely. I got me a phone number. And then you get verified and it's like, see you later. And uh, how did all of this uh, really come to light? Well, one of the ways, one of the reasons it became a story right now is that uh, Epic, you remember these guys? Yes. Who are still in the process of suing Apple, trying to prevent their 30% tax. Uh, one of the defenses that Apple says is we deserve this 30% because we provide you a secure environment in which <laughs> to, you know, install apps and know that you can trust every app in the app store. And <clears throat> so Epic managed to get a quote senior Apple engineer and some hold of some internal Apple documents, uh, uh, you know, apply whatever credentials to those you want. Um, saying, uh, the, the, some of the quotes from the, senior apple engineer apple security is like bringing a plastic knife to a gunfight <laughs> or security is more like the pretty lady who greets you at the hawaiian airport than the drug sniffing dog oh yeah yeah so uh, this is all coming from uh epic who uh, leaked these things saying that they're going to be used in their upcoming lawsuit against apple saying that apple does not deserve 30 percent. this pot is still boiling yeah and it will for a while I mean, the more I look into this stuff lately, Apple and no, Net Net asked. He's like, I thought Darren was Mr. Apple. I'm like, I don't know how I got that moniker for uh, maybe just compared to me. Like maybe. when standing next to me, you're the one who is willing to use Apple. I, I mean, I have an iPad because I think it's still the best tablet. Out well, there. that's what makes you Mr. Apple, I guess. Yeah. Having an iPad and I have an, a free Apple iPhone that I just mess around with. But my daily driver is still the samsung android phone although there's Either a lot that of like, trolling you it is the troll room after all it could be i don't have an apple desktop yet although i'm very tempted at one point to get the mac mini because it's little it's pretty it does the job and it's silent which would be really nice for recording things yeah you know silent is good but i, I wouldn't say i am mr apple yet but as long as we're talking about vpns there's a case the story that i've had on for a few days now which was a case of a VPN, which is VPN.ht was their name slash address, web address, I guess, was one of these VPN providers that made the mistake, I guess, of doing advertisements. Because there's one thing that everybody, I think, listening to this show understands with the VPN, what they do. They act as a middleman between you and the rest of the world, and they don't. A vast majority. Well, the good ones anyway, don't keep any logs. They don't care what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. Some of them do. And some of them say they don't and still do. Yes. Now that is a problem, but, but the, the reputable ones that are honest by their customers will usually not keep logs because that's, that's actually a selling point. That's a marketing point, right? They're selling you privacy because whatever you do, nobody can get the records of allegedly with all of these VPNs, you have to know. I'm sure there are some you can trust and others that you can't. Well, this VPN advertised that you could use their VPN with services like I think it was the popcorn hour or whatever. That's, you know, it's one of these pirate things that you could watch whatever you want and, you know, piracy be damned. So advertising that you could use their VPN in conjunction with an illegal site. The company got the courts and it was the court in Virginia, federal court in Virginia, 
signed a temporary restraining order that required PayPal to freeze all of the assets in the VPN company's account because of this. So let's just be very clear. VPNs all do the same thing. This company was not doing anything worse than any other. They're allegedly, I know people that use VPNs to download whatever the hell they want without a problem. But because they pointed out that you could do this with their VPN, that is what got them the ire of the federal this, government. This is what truth in advertising gets you. Yes, exactly. Saying, well, hey, you know, you could do this. I mean, you can't specifically come out and tell people you could do illegal things with their service. And I kind of get that. But who's so stupid? You don't know this is what you can do with the VPN. There's plenty of other places out there like our show that will explain to you how VPNs work and what you can do. You As a VPN company, you don't need to come out and be like, you want to download that movie or music and have nobody come after you? Well, Ixnay on the VPN, I think that, you know, we're going to get our PayPal funding shut down next. Just for saying, well, that was, see, now that would be one step too far, explaining how VPNs work. We're not saying you should do it. We're just explaining that VPNs act as a middleman and a service to protect your privacy. And if you don't know I, that, then you're listening I, to the wrong and, show. And it's it's an invaluable step in your security layers. It's yeah. But for the government to try to hold now a VPN company responsible for copyright infringement, what's your thought on that? Because that seems like one step way too this, far is, as well. Is this the part where I, I mentioned that copyrights shouldn't be so long? What well, doesn't matter because no, the copyrights probably. could be three days and this <laughs> yeah, is still doesn't matter. This is still in that in the ballpark of hey, you're doing stuff we don't like. You're downloading. I I, I mean, I, I I guess the you know the the federal government uh it comes down hard on anybody doing what they consider to be theft because the government hates competition. Right, they uh, want all that money free from you. Yeah, and uh, I I mean. I, more practically speaking, I, you know, if, if you don't jump in on the taxation is theft argument, which it absolutely is, but I understand a lot of people seem to have been brainwashed to think it's not um, the more direct and, and practical reason for this is that uh, big media companies have a lot of money and they have a lot of lobbyists and they uh, can put pressure on governmental agencies to say, please enforce the laws that, stop crimes that hurt us ahead of more important laws. And, and, you know, people will do that, which is, is why, you know, some of the most brutal fines ever issued by any uh, uh, law enforcement agency have been for copyright infringement, which in the digital age is, is arguably a victimless crime, but, I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't I don't need to push my philosophy on you, do I? No, no, we've had enough. But don't yeah. copy that floppy, says Cold yeah. Acid. Remember those days. Yeah, I, I'm not copying floppies anymore. I'm way past that. You're welcome. Yes, we can now do the the same thing to a scale unheard of in just mere moments. Uh, we did have a follow up that there's a bunch of browsers, Vivaldi, Brave, DuckDuckGo, who are telling the Google folks to go flock themselves, FLOC. They're saying no to the FLOC change that Google nice. has proposed. And it's interesting to watch both sides of this, much like we started this show out talking about the things going on in America, police violence, overall violence in Chicago. 
and how the stories that you're getting, depending on who you're listening to, can be a totally different narrative based upon what they're trying to push. This is a clear cut case of the same thing when you're talking about a tech story, because Google is espousing on how great this is, that you are not being targeted as an individual, how this means that no, you're you're being targeted as a demographic. They've found a way. But is that not true? Yep. I mean, really, I could make the devil's advocate. Is this not better? What would you rather have as a user? And I mean, none is the proper answer. But between yes. the two cases of would you rather that a company like Google gets a list of every URL you went to? Because that's how the old system worked with the third party cookies is they basically compiled a list of websites you were visiting from that browser and then decided what ads to give you on their end where this flock system does a similar thing but the websites you're visiting never go to the mothership it's all done on your computer to put you into that random group you know it's not really random it puts you into that anonymized group which one of those is better the flock from those two choices seems better to me uh, it, it, it i mean I, I, it's a false dichotomy. I, I well, reject the, I reject the argument that in, in particular, I reject the inherent assumption in the argument that they're different. Um, and the reason is that, uh, well, anybody, different. anybody who wants to track you individually, uh, if, if it happens with the flock system, they have one extra step that they have to do. And then they still have that information. And that extra step is they have to do some browser fingerprinting. We've talked about fingerprinting before. Uh, it, it's where somebody will take different aspects of your browser being your, your screen resolution and your, um, you know, the position of the window or, you know, any, the number of the color depth of your screen, how many monitors you have. Right. And take these all as data points and you collect enough data points and you end up creating a fingerprint, which you hash them all together and you get a, a fairly real, you know, if, if they get enough information, they can get a reliable, hash that identifies you uniquely and that's that's browser fingerprinting and what block does is it hands everybody who participates in this process um a large number of theoretically anonymous groups and categories that you are attached to but if i know for certain you know i i don't know anymore just by being handed data. I'm not being handed data from the browser. This is Darren O'Neill. I'm being handed data from the browser that this is a podcaster in Southern Chirac who likes ribs and uh, has something to do with uh, a flooring store and is you, you, the the number of, of categories. In fact, the number of categories that Google announced that they have so far 33,000. Ooh, three, three, there's, three. Yeah, and, there's a magic number there. And I think um, that uh, your buddy Sergene is a tech Luddite because he's like, who uses Google's browser? Um, a lot of people. Almost everyone. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're not, are you not aware of um, this thing called Chrome, uh, Sergene? According not. to Google, each demographic group, each of these 33,000 groups currently has a few thousand users. And um, it, 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 if you just look at, at binary, like binary separation, uh, if, if each additional data point cuts the search space in half, then you're looking at a, a few thousand users, say 4,000. That's two to the 12th. 
That means you need 12 data points. You need 12 categories to uniquely identify anybody. So what I'm saying is that this is not an improvement over directly tracking you. No, um, the, the folks over at Vivaldi, they agree with you saying, quote, at Vivaldi, we stand up for the privacy rights of our users. We do not approve tracking and profiling in any disguise. We certainly would not allow our products to build up local tracking profiles. And then their uh, CEO and founder said to use the word privacy means actual privacy. We do not twist it into being the opposite. We do not even observe how you use our products. Our privacy policy is simple and clear. We do not want to track you. So, yes, what they said. Yes, I mean, that's it. Exactly. I think Google in pushing this technology out and claiming that it somehow solves the privacy problem is being incredibly disingenuous because the only privacy problem that this thing solves is it makes it immensely more difficult and, and in some cases even impossible for anybody who is not Google to track you around. And it does absolutely nothing to hampers Google's ability to track you around. What this is, is not a move to improve privacy for anyone, you know, any users on the internet. This is a move to in one fell swoop, destroy any competition Google has remaining in the online ad space. And I, I mean, that in itself is the kind of thing that if, if our, if the U S government were not uh, completely compromised, or if the EU government would actually bother to enforce the laws they created, like the, uh, uh, not DMCA, what the, 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 the new, the law that they created about trying to push for user privacy, they're not enforcing it. Um, and if, in either case, if if those laws were being enforced, if the antitrust laws were being enforced, then Google making a move saying that the only people who are allowed to track everybody online are the person who makes the Chrome browser, um, that would get the the antitrust people on them so quick that we wouldn't see a single company called Google for much longer. Um, I, I, I mean, we're not in a... We, 20 years ago, that exactly happened to Microsoft, but we're not in that era anymore. So I don't think it's going to happen. Um, by the way, Google does have, in fact, a plan that they offer. They, they have anticipated the, the fingerprinting objection and, uh, their plan. They have a, a concept that it currently is only a, a concept in a white paper, but they call it a privacy budget, uh, where if the, the browser tracks how much information it has given up, and once you read a particular threshold of how much personal information the browser has given up, then it starts just failing API calls. So you don't get any more. And I think a feature like this, if I get to control the threshold, could actually be a really useful security feature. So I kind of look forward to it. I don't know if it's going to turn into anything, though. Breaking news here on Grumpy Old Ben's. Google is disingenuous and sucks. Uh, that news is broken. It's been it's been broken. That for news a long has time. been in severe need of repair for a while. Yeah, you know what else is our whole concept of value for value. The experts. We only got one today. One after a three hour show with Larry, Mister Velvet. People should have been running to be able to send in some value to us. I mean, to be fair, I did get an email from the post office this morning. There are envelopes waiting, so we will have some coming in over the weekend for monday show but we do oh, see shows. you told me you only had one person donating what we what you really should have said is you've only bothered to check one person's donation they just came in just slightly okay. before the show 
I got the email from the beautiful folks over at and the you're USPS. Not, you're not out sprinting to the post office every single day before the show? No. Do I, do I look crazy? The post office well, well, is like, like a horrible place to, to go. Yeah, the, I mean, that's the post office. Is, people shoot people at the post office. I mean, or at the FedEx facility. It's which Chirac. They shoot people everywhere. That's true. The post office may be a safer place than most. But we do have one expert to thank today. And that means you get extra special thanks. Not only are you uh, the sole executive producer of the show, you're the sole producer of the show. So Magdaleno Gutierrez, this is all your fault. Absolutely. This old show, this is all on you. You are the producer. So if anybody doesn't like anything we said here, we're just going to be like, hey, go talk to Magdaleno. He was the guy that sent in 40 bucks to help support us in what we're doing here at the Grumpy Old Bench podcast. And this is this is just the one producer who stumbled onto one of the secrets that, that no agenda producers learned a long time ago. And that is that if you want an executive producer credit, then you donate right after a big show. That's true. Because everybody's a little bit fatigued and people don't realize that, you know, when, when, when you rely on donations, every show, then, uh, you know, a big show always is followed by a low. So the result is, Following a big show, you can always get really good or really cheap executive producer benefits. And yes. I've used that on No Agenda. I managed to get uh, an executive producer, the sole executive producer for a show a while back with $201. Ooh, that is a bargain. And it, the system is is a very uh, viable one because we had been pushing the fact that we had our two-year anniversary and that was the celebration we had with Larry. And we bloviated a lot, but we hope there was still some good conversation there. I know everybody seemed to love hearing Larry. They keep saying they want more Larry, which is why, I mean, you may have noticed, I I doubt many other people did, but now that we have this system for identifying the people on the podcast in this podcast 2.0 system, where there's actually a part now to list everybody that appeared. The people tag from podcasting 2.0, which is a great tag, especially yes. if you're going to going forward, especially if you want to be able to say, oh, I like that guy, Larry, that was on the show. You can click on his name and his image and get a list of all the other shows he's been on, including his I, own. I haven't checked. Are we using people tags to identify uh, executive producers? Because that that also works. You can give a role as executive producer. We have not done that as of yet, but that's an interesting concept. It's, it's something to look into. I mean, it. I, I, I a lot of people probably don't care about this, but there are there are places that are checking feeds these days. Uh, w- w- what is it? Is it not uh, Podchaser? No. Yes, that's yeah, that's a big one. That is one of the sites where if you go and create an account there, then they will start to track all of the appearances and all of the you know every time somebody gets shows up in an RSS feeds value tag. And it, it's kind of building up a social network where the connections, instead of just clicking a friend button, the connections are, did you show up on somebody else's podcast? And it's, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's a much cooler social network simply because the idea of showing up on someone's podcast means proof of effort and also proof that, that you actually were willing, you know, like each other enough to be willing to talk to each other <laughs> as opposed to just clicking a button. So you and Sir Gene are going to be linked for all eternity now. You know, on second thought, maybe this is a terrible idea. <laughs> but the uh, when I went to post that show with Larry, now when we've done other shows since this has been out, like I know this, the person tag was there when I did the show with Sir Spencer, who we love. Sir Spencer's a great guy. Bowl after bowl is his podcast. 
with Booberry, who does behind the schemes. Love that guy as well. But when I listed those shows, I listed myself as the host and both of them as guests. When I was listing Larry, I, I couldn't list him as a guest. He's a host. He's one of us. He's the only guy we'll ever list as a host on the show. One of us. Yes. One of us. He deserves yeah. that honor. He is. You you list Larry as a host. You didn't even list me as a host. <laughs> well, why would most I? Of I those mean, shows. I mean, it's like you're you're hardly ever here. So uh, that was, I thought, an important uh, aspect of that. But the uh, Magdalano did send in a note which says, uh, love the podcast, guys. Often when I run out of new no agenda episodes, which is hard because they've been going longer and longer and longer. He says the sudden vacuum of amygdala shrinking sound waves fills me with a sudden pang of mild existential dread. That is until I tune into the latest episode of grumpy old Ben's keep up the great work. Now that this is, this is why we follow. We always follow no agenda one day later. It's it's as a, as a letdown for people, right? Like, well, it's kind of like, you know, they've got the fix. It's kind of like a junkie. They're like, okay, I know agenda. That was Sunday. Great. I'm feeling good. Then Monday rolls around and they're like, oh, wait, I need a little something. I need a little pick me up. Yeah. Well, here it's we just, are. Just a little extra something to get you through the week. Yes. And that's gr- grumpy old beds. A little something extra to get you through the week. And But that is high praise that we're being compared to no agenda. And I, I mean, I think we are in a similar vein. We just don't bring clips, which is more a case of uh, i think we're i don't know is it is that that we're too lazy to actually get clips or do we just like to hear ourselves talk so much that we don't want to hear anybody else on the show i i I can't help but think if we introduced clips into the show we wouldn't talk any less the show would just keep getting that much longer (laughs) we'd have to do three four shows a week and uh there's not enough i mean magdaleno did great but there's not enough support yet to increase the number of shows but if you want to see more shows on your RSS feed, go to grumpyoldbens.com slash donate is the easiest way to do it. You'll find a donate button right up top, which will let you do a one-time donation or a monthly donation through PayPal. Yes, net net. It's a booster shot. That's what people need. I don't know if we want to uh, go with that slogan, though that might be bad. But you can also, on the donate page, find the address for our P.O. box. And we love people that come in with the checks or money orders. Just make them out to my name with GOB listed on the comment line because then there's no middleman to take anything out. And we do now have our wallet addresses listed there for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and for Cardano. We don't have a Dogecoin. Sorry, Midas. And he's big into Dogecoin right now. So if you want to donate to uh, Fun Fact Friday, maybe you can do Dogecoin even still a thing. (laughs) It is. And it's it's gone up like... uh, like thirty percent in the last few days. So, oh, so it's now how many is how how many thousands of Doge coins per penny? There, it's uh, it's up to like thirty something cents per. So it's it's crazy. Wow. Yes, it's good. And I'm like, get out now, man, because that's gonna go back down because the, the Doge coin thing is Doge only. was the first crypto that I ever got. Somebody, some random person on Reddit liked a comment that I like and sent me in one using one of those bots, uh, like twenty five Doge coins. So you'd be As, rolling uh, in a, like a coffee right about now. I'd be rolling. Yeah, I'd be rolling in like, I mean, this is this is homeless guy on the street spare change level of donation. there. <laughs> but that is uh, the Dogecoin thing to me is very akin to the GameStop thing, which is it's only increasing in value because people are manipulating it. 
and it will go back down at some point. But Midas is riding it out up 371% this week. And he, he, he said the other day he put a decent amount of money in. So he's made a couple thousand bucks. Get it out, Midas. Get it out before it dies. And then donate. Become a guru here on the Grumpiest Podcast. And you too. P.T. Barnum was truly a prophet before his time. How did he see crypto coin coming? <laughs> How does P.T. Barnum fit into crypto? What's the joke? Uh, yeah, yeah, the most popular quote from P.T. Barnum. There's a sucker born yeah. every minute. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't know that. What he would, I thought maybe he had some kind of comment about a currency. You're no. just saying he, suckers, suckers everywhere. There, there's a lot of them out there, which which is good. Uh, everybody, you know, this comment to the gen- Internet in general is continue getting fleeced by everything that comes along because it makes great content on this show. Only on Grumpy Old Ben's immediately following are heartfelt asking that you contribute and support the show. Sir Pembro says there's a sucker born every minute. (laughs) (laughs) Are these things connected? I don't know. uh, Well, I've never been accused of being good at marketing. Uh, I did like Ned Ned in the troll room pointing out that uh, you're following up to no, no agenda the day before that makes grumpy old Ben's. We are the second jab. Yes. We keep you going. We keep you going until the next dose. And I mean, there's a lot of people. I don't understand why anybody is surprised when it comes to the vaccine concept that they're saying, oh, you're going to need another one in six months or a year. I don't know why anybody's surprised about that, because this is how the flu vaccine works. Yeah. And and the coronavirus is effectively it's a flu or a common cold virus. So, it, yeah, it's it, in a similar it, vein. Yeah. So this is not a surprise. I talked about on random thoughts. I had an appointment to get the jab, the Johnson and Johnson on Wednesday. And of course, I would know Tuesday. And then I woke up and all the news is Johnson and Johnson bad. <laughs> pausing no you know of of all of the unbelievable utter bullshit being spewed by the propagandists behind these so-called vaccines the idea that it, the effectiveness fades after a few months is probably one of the few true things that i think they've ever given possibly yeah and in this case it was interesting as i mentioned on the latest random thoughts r-e-n-d-u-m-b thoughts.com the most interesting thing about the reaction to the Johnson and Johnson vaccine being paused was that the most conservative people and the most liberal people, including Keith Olbermann, were all going, well, this is a stupid thing to do. And I'm like, wow, when's the last time you had a major event that people on both sides of the aisle like that, like totally wrong, you know, wrong bedfellows? Totally different sides of the aisle, all saying the same thing. That's how you know you're in a weird place. That's pretty uncommon. Yes. And it's like, this is over six women out of like 7 million people approximately that had gotten the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So I get it. That means about three and a half million women that six of them came down with a blood clotting disorder, which they're not even sure is tied to the vaccine. It probably is. Because the AstraZeneca had a similar thing and then they unpaused that. But I mean, go, go look at VAERS. There are, uh, are tens of thousands of adverse reactions tied to these things. And 
And again, we're back to the disingenuousness of the media to be calling out these six cases and screeching about those without pointing out anything else going on or comparing it to any other stats to, you know, just right here. Here's some some naked statistics with no concept. Freak out about them, please. Yeah, well, there was somebody on No Agenda Social that posted a link to the Johnson and Johnson thing being paused and like, ah, yeah, see, these things are safe, right? And I'm thinking. Do you get into a car every day? Because there's you have about a one in a million chance of dying in a car wreck every time you get in one, too. Maybe better than one in a million. But the people I mean, don't get odds and statistics. You know, I'll be that guy when when the vaccines end up creating a prion disease that causes the zombie apocalypse. And then I'll be like, oh, these things are safe, you think. But right now, the statistics are pulling out. Do not support that kind of sarcasm. No, this is the question is we don't know. What's going to happen long term, especially with the mRNA vaccines? But the vaccines that AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson are doling out are yeah, very just similar. Attenuated virus. Those, yeah. That's a technology is pretty damn well understood. Yes, it's a, it, these reactions have happened with those as well. But you never had as many people getting a flu shot around the world as you do getting the COVID shot, and this is why you're seeing a reaction. And when it's it, I didn't understand why they were pausing it for men. If all of the people that are having problems with the vaccine are women. Now, in a real world where anything works and we know government never does. But if you want something to work efficiently, if you're like, well, we had six out of six million and they were all women. Maybe we shouldn't pause this for men and we should just suggest women get the other vaccine. You know, I know there's arguments that can be made why people don't want the vaccine. And I get those and we're not arguing them here. Well, the reason is that uh, the the entire reason for, in fact, the explanation, it's it, it's really quite simple. White male supremacy. Oh, right. How dare you get how dare you get the uh, how dare you get the vaccine? White men aren't suffering from this. And this is the problem with the vaccine. Yeah, I didn't I didn't put those two things together. Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca, obviously bad companies putting together vaccines that affect women negatively but not men yeah yeah I mean, you just gotta think more like a wokist <laughs> i try i try when you put I, some of these difficult. stories down it it's is. even more painful than the headache you get after an mrna vaccine i get that but oh you probably I, yeah i have one more ios story but i don't know if i should bother bringing it up because it's not apple's fault well, see, this is okay. We don't. We're not in the business of blaming Apple for everything, like uh, some people are. Well, I mean, I, but I do feel like I kind of need to after getting in a conversation where all Android users are idiots. Well, according to Sir Gene, but then again, he's on Clubhouse, <laughs> which is like, oh, let's give me, give me your uh, phone number, your address, your DNA, and let us listen to you at any time. It's a great service. Come on in. So this one is is Discord. Um, we have talked about Discord as much as you hate doing it. It is a very popular social network, especially amongst people who just want to create a chat site. And in fact, um, the a large number of people who uh, are in the podcasting space will say, I need a community. Let's go ahead and have our community on Discord. And well, yeah, it's easy uh, when. It, it is tremendously easy. It gives you chats. It gives you, uh, you know, as many troll rooms as you want. People can uh, share IRC files. Like channels. Right. It gives you uh, persistence where everything everybody's ever said is kept around. Unless you decide to censor it, then you can delete it. 
And most importantly, the number one reason why anyone uses Discord is it gives you emojis. Woo! But um, I hate emojis. I know you do as well. <laughs> They're the scourge of all communication now when and I mean, it's it's not something you can just blame on the younger crowd. I mean, every now and then, you know, my mom will text something with an emoji and I know her friends text. You know, it's like it's cute. I get it, but it's killing communication. The only time an emoji ever sli- slips into any of my communication is when I type an emoticon. And it gets auto-translated. My phone does that. that. I hate that. (laughs) Um, So uh, Discord uh, released a a clarification to their uh, administrative policy around NSFW servers. And uh, I I, I don't like the term because server very much means something in the IT space. But Discord, when they say server, what they mean is a uh, a community collection of... uh, a collection of community channels. They use the word server, which is a number of, of voice channels, occasionally a video channel, a bunch of text channels, all tied together under the same group of people who administer it. And there's always one owner of it. Um, but um, Discord is, uh, you know, amongst the uh, the various, uh, say, pornographic communities, which I, of course, know nothing about. Um, Discord is also very popular for creating communities, for putting out, you know, it, it's tremendously easy to paste images. Um, Discord is changing their policies around this. Uh, you have always had the ability to mark a specific channel or even your entire server as NSFW, as the server owner. Um, if a channel or, or a server is NSFW, then that means that anybody whose age in Discord is listed as 17 or younger is just straight not allowed to see it. Um, and I, I mean, not safe for work, not safe for young kids. Those are two very, very different concepts, but apparently discord thinks they're exactly the same thing. So if I can't do it in my corporate office, then I guess 17 year old should not know about it, but close. Um, enough. fine. Uh, and also if something is marked as NSFW and here's the part that just bothers me because I didn't even put my age in there or if it did demand an age, I don't know Then I was born in 1901. Fuck you guys. None of your business, <laughs> but adults, people who are marked as adults in there are given an annoy dialogue that every single time you try to click on a channel or a server that is marked as NSFW, it says, this is not safe for work content. Are you sure you want to be here? And I'm sitting here going, I would not have clicked it if I weren't. <laughs> Are you sure? I, I'm sorry. I, I hate confirmation dialogues in every single category. It's why well, turn it's them a off. Terrible. UI. Windows 10. The minute I install, if it's anything. possible to turn them off. There's way too many confirmation dialogues in the world that there's no software switch that says, "Of course, I just told you to do it." But anyway, Are you sure a, you want to turn off all of the things yeah. you're turning off? But the confirmation dialogue, different rant. Anyway. Um, so the big change here is the discord administrators are now going to mark NSFW, mark your server as NSFW automatically on their own, on, uh, on their own judgment based on a couple criteria. Um, the, the first one is if a majority of your content is NSFW and I don't know, I don't think that means the majority of your channels. I think what that means is they're going to check. Like if you have one channel that's, marked nsfw on your whole server and the rest of them are open but that one channel gets more than 50 percent of your content it's going to be marked it's not really clear that's just my guess but uh 
they're going and and the other thing is uh obviously if somebody complains or if anyway so the change here is the discord is changing the policy where whereas before it was up to the server owner to decide whether or not your content was nsfw now discord is doing it based on an algo oh for your convenience yeah and uh they do, in fact, say uh, that if you don't believe that your server should be marked as NSFW, there is an appeals process. Um, appeals process in itself means, of course, that if they decide you're NSFW, then your entire server is now locked behind this flag until you get through the appeal. There's no indication how long that takes. Uh, the owner must fill out a web form with the server ID and an explanation as to why. Please, sir, can I have some more? Please, sir, please don't mark me as adult. <laughs> and uh, it goes into a queue, which Discord will review at their own convenience. And yeah. if you're very lucky and you're a good boy and you've prayed to the right Silicon Valley gods, then they might deign to allow your community to come back from this mark of the beast. Maybe. Yeah, and that takes a while. That's very similar yeah. to what happened to me with TeamViewer recently, which I only use to access my parents' computer when I need to do that remotely or to access the computers where my wife works. So two IP addresses that I've gone and uh, connected to computers, but they, for a ah, year, uh, you seem to be a commercial, not a residential, so we're shutting you down. <laughs> and it did it to when I was on trying to help my mom order her groceries remotely for the first time because she had never ordered the groceries that way. And they were cutting me off after like 30 seconds. So there was no time to do anything. And then they wouldn't let you oh, reconnect. God. And it was just a real pain in the ass to be like, you know, fill out this form and tell us you're not. And they made yeah. you like and sign and please, something. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, please come to us with your hat in hand uh -huh. and 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 try to give us your pathetic excuse why you think that our algos judgment might be an error. Yeah, exactly. I, that, I hate that attitude with every company ever. And it was funny because the email they sent out then was, oh, you know, we're sorry. We we rely on our free users and, you know, it's helped to spread the word, this, this, and this. Sorry for the inconvenience. It's like, no, you see, here's when you do the sorry for the inconvenience thing. You tell me. How about, how that, about before you cut my off? Right. Oh. Exactly. That's exactly it. If you would have come up and it would have popped up and said, hey. The behavior looks like you might be using this software for professional use, not for your own home personal use. You know, if you don't contact us, email, send us a message within the next seven days, just verifying, which is all they wanted you to say, nope, this is what I'm using it for. Maybe you give people a warning before you cut them off in the middle of trying to do something. So what I just read was was one of the big changes to the in Discord's announcement. But that wasn't even the iOS part of this. I'm going to, for this next part, I'm going to read directly from Discord's announcement. Additionally, all users on the iOS platform, including those aged 18 plus, will be blocked from joining and accessing NSFW servers. <laughs> iOS users aged 18 plus will still be able to join and access NSFW communities on the desktop and web versions of Discord. Why? I, well, Discord doesn't say why. Um, uh, the nine to five Mac, which is where I originally got this did pull the following tidbit out of the Apple terms of service, which might be an explanation that says apps with user generated content or services that end up being used primarily for pornographic content, chat roulette style experiences, objectification of real people, e.g. hot or not 
<laughs> or making physical threats or bullying do not belong on the app store and may be removed without notice. So this might be a CYA because Apple has an overly broad terms of service that says they can nuke porn at their discretion. And Discord says, well, OK, in that case, if you have something that you claim is porn, then we're just not going to let iOS users use it at all, which is a great CYA move. But now combine that with Discord is changing you your server on their algo to decide whether or not it's NSFW. And what you have here is um, if there is anything even remotely the kind of thing that you would not take into the lobby of your office building anywhere on there, you don't get it on iOS, period. Well, so I'm just waiting then for the iOS cutoff of TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I mean, we know they already got the Mastodon one. Apple clearly reserves the right to do that in their terms of service. And I'm sure nobody's talking dirty in Clubhouse, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, I'm, yeah, I'm sure TikTok isn't already a chat roulette style app. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is, this is. Or, or, or the entire concept of Facebook from the very beginning has been thinly veiled, hot or not voting. Yeah. Selective persecution is what all of these Silicon Valley companies are doing. The question becomes well, why, and it may be more of a follow the money thing. Although Discord was just purchased by Microsoft, right? They own they own that now. Uh, I I don't believe that has gone through. Okay, so just in the uh, planning process, still maybe. I I it sounds like it's still in the rumor process. I haven't heard anything official about that. Not not from Discord or Microsoft anyway. But it's weird that all that's going on at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, if Discord is in the process of wanting to be acquired, it makes perfect sense that they would start applying policies that make them less of a risk of being shut down somewhere, because that way, you know, a company like Microsoft, which is terribly risk averse when it comes to things like NSFW content, um, if they're going to if, if Discord wants to look more appealing as an acquisition then of course they're going to go and shut down anything that might be a risk that would cause Microsoft to shy away. And just to be clear, Apple has not done anything related to this story. Apple has not shut down TikTok or Facebook. Apple has not shut down Discord. But Discord has made the preemptive move that says iOS users cannot see anything marked as NSFW. And also our algorithm is going to start marking things automatically as NSFW. That is a very weird move for a company to do that to themselves. Yeah. And uh, did, I mean, the people who are getting screwed with this are, you know, anybody who, who posts, uh, you know, has a deviant art community or, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff out there that, that might not be the kind of stuff that a corporation wants on its front page, but otherwise is very popular there. I mean, you know, people are, are people and uh, porn is porn and there's a lot of it on the internet. And if Discord starts shutting down any community that might be problematic, and and by the way, not just porn. At some point, uh, you know, Grumpy Old Ben's is going to be considered NSFW because of uh, the misinformation we spew every day. Um, it, it, if you think that not being a porn channel is going to keep you safe, just realize uh, they have absolutely started coming out and censoring things and. The way censorship goes, especially in these big Silicon Valley corporations, is they never uncensor things and they never reduce the size of the net. The only thing that happens is the size of the censorship net grows progressively wider and wider and wider. 
And we saw it happen with Twitter. We saw it happen with uh, uh, Reddit. We saw it. it it's going to happen with Discord. If you are relying on Discord for your community, find a backup. Direct people to a, a website, to a mailing list, to another community, to a Mastodon server somewhere. Because when Silicon Valley comes and shuts down your entire community, if you have not already primed them with, hey, when we get shut down, right. go to this other service, then they won't know how to get you anymore. Yes. Be aware that it can happen at any time for any reason. It's not like anything has to have a massive change. You could just wake up one day and find your mailing list gone. You can find your Discord server gone. You can find everything yeah. purged from your YouTube channel. So and let's be charitable. Let's suppose that you've got nothing objectionable on your thing, but the algo just randomly decided that, oh, you know, may, maybe somebody typoed when entering data into the algorithm and it decided that you're, it, it, you don't know. There is no transparency on this process, none whatsoever. They decide it and you are now shut down off of all iOS devices. And your process is, well, please, sir, can you please unban me because I'm not really a porn channel? And I don't know, eight to 10 days where you have no community whatsoever before they bother to look at it. We don't know. You, you have no control over that. Do your communication on something like talks where nobody can see what where the nobody hell you're will doing. see it. Right. Well, except the person you're communicating with, but you have to get the people you want to communicate with on there and you can do group chats and you can do audio you can do i think video i don't maybe not in the group chats but you can do some audio you can share files you can share photos you can do whatever you want and none of it is under the control of a major social media company a silicon that, valley company that is the absolute number one benefit nobody can deplatform you and if they deplatform us damn it go to grumpyoldbens.com and find out where we're uh, tilting at windmills or yelling at clouds, whichever cloud may be angering us for that day. But I think that, I think that about covers everything for today. I hope so. Because we'll be back on Monday. That sounds threatening. But we will be back on Monday to do a whole new Grumpy Old Benz. We hope you can support us over at GrumpyOldBenz.com slash donate. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America. Just outside of Chirac, where, you know, can't we all just get along? And from America's left coast, where I'm deftly avoiding getting fleeced by a remote code exploit in my slime simulator. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Yeah.